You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. T.P. Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. Excited to be with you again here in the middle of the week as we have another fun show planned for you. We will continue to digest the latest weekend of Auburn football and Auburn athletics. Again, uh, we were able to get to some of the recruiting yesterday and a lot of thoughts from the Auburn-Arkansas game. We will continue to expand upon those. Also start to look ahead a little bit to the calendar uh, for both Auburn football and Auburn basketball as they get set uh, to go to Brooklyn and play Notre Dame tomorrow. We will continue to talk coaching carousel. Uh, as uh, we got to a great discussion about Texas A&M's opening yesterday, had a couple great phone calls in the 5 o'clock hour. We will get back to some of that today. We'll also discuss the Mississippi State opening, also discuss the state of some other SEC coaches, mainly in Fayetteville and in Gainesville, about their job security staff. So we'll talk a little bit about that today. Uh, also, we'll talk some NFL, in particular fantasy football, with our guy Joe Bartle of Rotowire. That's coming up at 5:15, as it does pretty much each and every Wednesday through the football season. As uh, we're excited to talk about Joe, a lot of things going on in the NFL. So we've officially turned the page into the second half of the season with the games that took place this past weekend in the National Football League. So a lot of fun stuff to talk about. If you want to give us a call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Again, Ryan, Cam, and Tom with you here on this Wednesday. Cam, we'll start with you, sir. Good to see you again. I hope your week has been well so far. Yeah, yeah, I've had a pretty good week so far a very busy busy week um preparing just uh for the week for the week ahead rest of this week and then going into thanksgiving so been doing a lot of moving a lot of a lot of preparing for that so i can take a little bit of time off hang out with the family at the end of next week um you know the first time this week so i'll talk about the auburn arkansas game fantastic uh performance from the offense overall and then the defense as well still being able to uh do what they do lock down and and, uh uh, perform at a high level still um and and another great game from peyton thorne and and uh great another solid running performance from jarquez hunter so um a lot of things to build upon again continuously building upon these things as we go week to week it seems like uh Hugh Freeze said the offense has finally found an identity uh he said that that he um 
is kind of taking a little bit bigger of a role in terms of how the offense is moving with the tempo and things like that. And, um, uh, just picking the one quarterback, and, and that seems to have actually been working. Who would have thought, right? Uh, one quarterback is, is something that uh, has been very successful, especially in the last three games for Auburn, and uh, Peyton Thorne is finally catching a rhythm um, and, and has probably bought himself, I think, uh, just something to build upon, and, and especially depending on how he performs in the Iron Bowl, um, another year as Auburn's quarterback and, and gives, you know, Walker White an opportunity to develop a little bit and then kind of keep that train going. So uh, it will be interesting for sure. But, yeah, he, he did fantastic um, and a great game in uh, professional, not so much. The Falcons taking a loss to Kyler Murray and um, in his first game back, he I mean, he was electric. I, I looked like he hadn't lost a step at all whatsoever. His legs were just flying around that field and, and – uh, it cost the Falcons a, a win, and it's very unfortunate. You know, people still questioning if uh, Arthur Smith is going to have a job. It seems like he will have one, um, and Arthur Blank is probably going to stick with him maybe for another season, which not sure I agree with, but, uh, you know, it kind of is what it is, and, and we'll see how it plays out. Uh, hopefully getting getting he's, – he's now caught the hint that he should get his star players more involved. Um, you know, hate that the defense kind of that was doing so good gave up as much as they did. Uh, three losses to teams that you really shouldn't have lost to now in a row. So you wonder uh, how how that's going to kind of uh, play out uh, as the rest of the season progresses. But you got a bye week this weekend, so uh, you take the take the time to figure it out. Hopefully, uh, he'll know who the starter will be, whether it will be Taylor Heineke, whether it will be Desmond Ritter, and uh, go from there. Uh, you still have a chance to win the division. You play the same. Uh, in two weeks uh, and that that will give you an opportunity to kind of get another leg up in the division Uh, but you got it you got to get right you got to figure something out with the offense the offense seems like uh, the offense has been okay but you know the defense is what has been surprisingly bad which is kind of upsetting because I was like man you know, you lose Grady Jarrett, and that's unfortunate. But also, you gain you you lost Dan, uh, David on Yamada, um, which is definitely a loss. And so, you lost your two best interior defenders in the uh, in the defense, and that really cost uh, cost the Falcons uh, just not able to really defend the run as well as they previous had previously had throughout the season. Um, and it seemed like the offense was clicking enough to the point where you'd be able to have gotten the win, but the defense kind of let you down, so it was a very upsetting loss. Uh, so we'll see where, where the Falcons go from here and into a bye week. And, uh, yeah, but overall I'm doing pretty good. I'm ready for another weekend of Auburn football and, and talk about all these other sports with you guys. Yes, sir. The vote of confidence in the middle of a season. Sometimes that happens in college to kind of maintain the recruiting, but – in the professional ranks, not always as common. I guess maybe vote of confidence for the remainder of a season, but uh, yeah, we'll still see how that progresses here in the final seven games in the yeah. NFC South. Tom Peavy, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing just fine, and uh, yeah, ready, ready to talk some sports and uh, looking forward to the weekend. I'm going to be going to the game, my first game this year. Uh, I'll be able to actually attend in person, so. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing my buddy Brian coming into town. I uh, have not seen him in a while, so I'm looking forward to that. And, yeah, looking forward to talking all this stuff, sports that's going on. Coaching changes, coaching potential changes, NFL, my crappy fantasy league, all of it. <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely. So let's get to it here on this Wednesday. And also, I should mention with Tom going to the game, we will be giving tickets away to the Auburn-New Mexico State game in the 4 o'clock hour. So stay tuned 
for that, as uh, we'll call out for that sometime early in the 4 o'clock hour. So we will be giving you the chance to attend that game as well. So let's start with some Auburn football. Again, not usually usually Wednesday. We start to look ahead a little bit towards the weekend and, and final thoughts on this past weekend. Obviously, with the opponent coming up, it is more of a game that's not going to be an in-depth preview of what New Mexico State offers, more of what Auburn will, would like to accomplish prior to the Iron Bowl. But certainly what it has been accomplishing in the fa- past few weeks, far different than the first half of the season, a, uh, a passing attack that has looked far more competent, a running game that is becoming far more explosive, a defense that maintains its standing as one of the best third-down defenses, not only in the SEC but in the country. And then there's some other great statistics about red zone and that sort of thing. Uh, So some things that Auburn has piled on now several weeks in a row. Came to a head with, again, a huge uh, decisive victory in Fayetteville, Arkansas, against the Razorbacks. And so as we get towards the end of the season – uh, Tom, I know that uh, you and I mean, really, all of us here have had, you know, Auburn winning around seven games for the season. Right. They should get their seventh for all the world this weekend against New Mexico State. So, again, how, how, through ten games, how has it? How has it lived up to the expectations? You know, those the social media stuff, expectations versus reality. How has that been for you here in the first ten games um, of the Hugh Freeze era? So, uh, you know, my the expectations, I guess, um, the wins and losses are actually above where I thought they were going to be because I've said it before, I, my prediction wins-loss was perfect up to Arkansas. I thought Arkansas would beat Auburn, and it would take an upset against Alabama to get to the uh, that seven-win plateau. But uh, So they're ahead of schedule as far as that goes. But um, – I am disappointed that it took this long to get kind of cohesion going on offense. I really thought that Peyton Thorne would come in here uh, and and just take over that number one role and look like the Peyton Thorne that we've seen the last couple weeks. I was expecting to see that early on in the season and not the whole – back and forth between the quarterbacks and, and just a lot of uncertainty and things like that. So disappointed in that. Um, and, you know, the positives of it, uh, the running game still feels like it's there. I I do like the fact that it seems like the offensive line has gotten better. Uh, so I'm pleased there. I'm definitely pleased with the defense. Uh, that was another area. In the preseason, we all focused so much on that quarterback competition and a retooled offensive line and how that's going to go. Everybody forgot about the defense, and it was like when we did talk about it, it was one of those like we really don't also know how this defense is going to look. We knew the secondary was going to be fine, but the front is going to have problems. Linebacker is going to have a problem, and we just – you know, that's another area of concern. The defense, I think, has has far – surpassed the expectations of what we what we wanted or what we thought we were going to get um that defense has been damn good all season long uh, you know outside of uh, outside of the lsu game where nothing was working on either side of the ball uh that defense has has really been good and has prevented major blowouts when the offense is not clicking so very pleased with the defense very pleased with the progress that the offense made, even though 
it was a little bit slower than we would have liked. Cam, same question to you. Just assessing through 10 games, I mean, we're closing in on the end of the season. One more Power 5 game, obviously the big one against Alabama, but uh, the expectations that you had versus the reality of what's occurred for throughout uh, basically almost the whole year one for Hugh Freeze. Yeah, so right at about where I expected, in all honesty, uh, you know, coming up on a potential uh, eight games, and I thought I thought the ceiling was, I thought eight games was, you know, a, a solid season. Nine games, everything was hitting pretty well. Ten games, everything was fantastic. Uh, the defense was probably good enough to win 10 games, if I'm being 100% honest. Uh, and that's what's something that we were a little worried about. But Ron Roberts has come in and, and been able to really establish a, a very, very dominant defense. Um, and they've been fantastic. Uh, just like just like Tom said, I mean, they've surpassed the expectations, especially considering what we thought uh, last year. They've been able to do everything that's necessary to win games, and the secondary uh, was was going to be fine. Like we said, the secondary was going to be good. There's plenty of talent back there, but we were worried about the 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 line and uh, the D line and the linebackers. And we've had two guys that now have been able to truly establish themselves. And uh, Jalen McLeod, who seems like he's you know he's finally healthy and and being a, into and has now become a dominant uh, force on that D-line. And then you got Eugene Asante, who's really established himself among the linebackers. So you've got two stabilizing forces uh, on on, uh, on both of those units that you've been able to really rely upon and trust, and, and that's really helped the defense as a whole. Um, with the offense, you know, it was a little disappointing at the beginning, or I would say very disappointing at the beginning, because that two-quarterback system that, you know, Hugh Freeze kind of established just was something that uh, just was not – expected or really welcomed uh and and now that you've now that 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 has been eliminated you see that well the one quarterback system is truly working and Peyton Thorne just kind of maybe had the nerves of not being of having to watch his back all the time and figure out well if I make this mistake and uh, you know he just had to work out the kinks and um now now it seems like he's he's been very comfortable um, his ability to run the ball was not very was very understated and that's been a, a key piece in how the offense has been run because he's able to pull the ball and um, not make the offense near as predictable uh, and you know use his legs to get to get things done um, so you know right at about eight you know eight wins uh, maybe you know obviously if, if um, and uh, if the Iron Bowl ends up working out, uh, that could be an eight-win season. I thought that Auburn would be able to get, of that four-game losing streak, I thought they'd be able to get one. I thought they'd be able to get Ole Miss, um, and, and they were close. And, and, again, if the offense had been hitting on all cylinders, you, you kind of wonder, well, you know, could you have gotten that win? Could you have gotten the UGA win? There's things that you kind of wonder, and you're looking back, well, you know, questioning, well, hey, you know, yeah, there were some opportunities. Auburn had some opportunities to really, uh, really pick themselves up and have some some uh, opportunities to surprise some people. Uh, ultimately, didn't work out, but you you see that things are kind of on the right track. Um, and now that that things seem pretty locked in on on the offensive side of the ball, um, you're very you're you're very optimistic with how things are going. So um, the expectations right at about what I expected, and. Um, I'm 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 happy with where Hugh Freeze has got the program. I mean, especially in terms of recruiting. The way I would term it is after the train was a little late leaving the station this year. Yeah. Auburn is now back to being on schedule, uh, and I think that this team 
was supposed to win, you know, again, depending on who you ask, between six and eight. Uh, the, those would have been the reasonable expectations. I think pre Peyton Thorne transfer, going back to the early summer, I think that this was supposed to be about a six and sixteen. That's why it was picked at the bottom of the West, uh, then or, or towards the bottom of the West. And then I think that once you added Thorne, I think that's when you added a win, possibly two. That's when you felt, or at least in my mind, it would be about a seven win team. And I. Uh, have actually had it go perfect still. Uh, I am actually 10 and 0 still in, in what would happen this year. Uh, I really hope I'm wrong on the 12th one, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but, but so for me, I mean, to a T, this has been on schedule. Yeah. Um, they are checking the boxes in terms of recruiting throughout the season. They still have more work to be done. Obviously, this class still ranking in that 15 16 range. Well, look, I mean, that's. As as exciting as it's been to get back in it and to win some big battles for the first time in three or four years and, again, to be heavily involved, ultimately we know they can't finish 15th and 16th every year. So while you know that's not going to be, again, from my view, first full recruiting cycle still kind of on schedule, but you're really looking at that next class for – okay, you need to be in the top 10. And for right now, that 2025 class, which we can talk a little bit about later, uh, it does rank seventh right now. So, again, I think everything right now for Auburn getting back to where it wants to be is on schedule. And I think they even have exhibited that. I know how – I know that it was did not look good optically, <coughs> but I think that even in the course of the season – it has still ultimately, when you just look at the results, aside from the LSU game, you did play a incredibly competitive game against Ole Miss, which ended up being a top 20 team. You played an incredibly competitive game against Georgia, which, by the way, very few have this year. Uh, and, and so we'll see how the Iron Bowl goes. But I think that even in some of these losses, when you're talking about, oh, I wanted a, a certain amount of wins this year, but I also wanted the losses to look a certain way, yes. Look, the offense awful uh, during those games, and the decision to rotate quarterbacks not good, uh, and, and all that. But for what the final scores ended up being, and in at least two of those cases, again, not LSU and then A and M, kind of a tweener. You could go either way, but not, but obviously not great. Was your first SEC road game? But anyway, uh, half the losses against top twenty teams that you lost by one possession. I mean, again, that that suggest no matter how bad it might appear or felt in the moment, you're not exactly far away from that either. So I think for me, Auburn right on schedule here through 10 games of the Hugh Freeze era, and again, these last three weeks in particular, catching them back up to where they would like to be as they start to finish year one. We're going to take our first time out of the show today. When we come back, we'll go to the orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger FM, and the Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday. And, of course, if you want to give us a call on the orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We go to the orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that you all been talking about Auburn and New Mexico State because we do play them this weekend. And I was, um, I'm just going to say that Auburn is going to have a huge chance of coming out with a big win. And I see, uh, like, I was, I was actually seeing from the reactions from last week when we played against Arkansas. Hold on. I, think I believe James uh, dropped there. Well. All right, uh, yeah, James just calls back. Uh, so, yeah, James had a uh, quick thing to get done there. Uh, thus happens from time to time. But, uh, yeah, no, I, it, again, Auburn playing New Mexico State this weekend. Aggies are going to go to the Conference USA title game. Uh, that is something that is still weird for me to say because they had not been into Conference USA prior to this year. That conference looking vastly different with – about half of its teams going to the AAC uh, this this past year. And so certainly New Mexico State uh, getting the opportunity to play in the conference championship game is something of note for them. But even with that, uh, they, they continue to be you know underdogs by 20-plus points in the uh, Auburn game on Saturday. So, again, that's why – Something worth talking about, something worth previewing, but still more from the Auburn point of view. And I think we've got James from Montgomery back with us. James, are you there? Yes, I am. All right. Okay. Um, like I was, I was actually saying about uh, Auburn versus Arkansas. Uh, I was looking at that game, and I was looking at um, some different mistakes that we made. And one mistake was that uh, they were comparing Peyton Thornton to Cam Newton as well. I certainly hope that they weren't. Um, again, those are two very different quarterbacks, and Cam, yeah, being yeah. a Heisman winner, I, I would not compare the two. Yes, exactly, because you know Peyton Thornton, he's he's a new uh, quarterback for Auburn. But when I heard that, I was thinking, why would they compare a incoming starter to Auburn as you know as Cam Newton didn't with Auburn for a long time as well. And then he's a, uh, you know, he's a Heisman candidate as well. Well, you know? yeah, I mean, he, he won the Heisman back in 2010. He was only with Auburn for, for one season. Obviously, he does come back to the Plains from time to time. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, the, their skill sets are very different. Their productivity is very different. And and uh, and Cam was Cam, – Cam, very, very few people – uh, in college should be compared to Cam. Cam was something that we hadn't quite seen just like him. And uh, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of guys that can get near that level, but also, uh, again, the way he did things and the way he played, there, again, there's not many players that are truly like that. Yes, as well, because I do see um, in the near future with Peyton Thornton, I'll probably see him actually when he gets 
you know, better next year or the year after next. I'll probably see uh, Auburn actually making a statue of Peyton Thornton, you know, something that I would like to see in the near future as well. Yeah, they won't be doing that. Uh, I know Peyton has been improving the the last few uh, few games, but uh, the the statues are only for incredibly special athletes that accomplished a lot at Auburn and are uh, going mm-hmm. to go down in the in the history books. And so, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of great players that have gone through Auburn that that don't have statues, and statues are meant for the absolute top of the top and so even if Peyton Thorne continues to be better uh he he unless he wins a Heisman or something or a national title that and and I highly doubt he'll do that next year uh then then there's not going to be a statue yeah because I know um in years past when I go to some of the football games at Jordan Hare Stadium I know they used to have like the I know they have in front of the stadium they have like different uh, they have like different statues, and then the one that I actually um, seen the most was um, I think it's the statue with uh, like the like the backstory of Auburn versus uh, Georgia Tech, if I'm mistaken on that one. Uh, I, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I know they've got statues. Uh, they got several up there. Maybe you're thinking of the John Heisman statue that's up there. Yes. Yes, that one. Yes, that one as well, because I think with that, I know I was uh, doing research when I was um, there in Auburn, and I was doing research on John Heisman. And uh, when I looked at it, I thought to myself, you know, when I looked at it, I was thinking, did John Heisman go to Auburn? Did Because I that, don't that's a, know. It, for sure. Yeah, that's a that's a very fair question. Uh, he did coach at Auburn uh, in the late 1800s, 1895 to 1899. Uh, he was more known for the the Georgia Tech tenures where he was uh, best at. But yeah, no, he 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 went to uh, I, I think I think Brown or, or Penn or something. So he he did not go to Auburn, but he did coach at Auburn at the, there at the very beginning, the 1890s. Okay, because I know, um, I, I know when uh, they actually say like the national championship from like 1957 to 2010. I mean, that's like what 10, 20 years apart. Uh, well, it, the math on that would be you know about 53 years uh, from 1957 to 2010. But uh, yeah. Okay. Because I know, um, you know, with a lot of people that uh seen, like, so many uh, kind of games inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium, like um, the, the uh, prayer in Jordan-Hare, the kick six, the, you know, the list goes on and on for Auburn as well. And, and I've seen so many iconic games over the years with Auburn as well, uh, seeing one uh, between Auburn and LSU that was, like, a game that I would never ever forget because I know that game was like on a Saturday and then we were actually I think that game was like a four overtime uh, decision. Uh, I, I'm not thinking of that Auburn LSU game. Most most are on Saturdays though, so I, I don't I, I don't know I, I don't know exactly which one, but yes, Auburn's had some pretty crazy games with uh, with LSU over the years. Yes, as well, because I know uh, this coming up weekend, um, well, this coming up weekend, I'll actually see Alabama in Chattanooga, and I actually do have uh, Chattanooga beating Alabama before they play 
Auburn in the Iron Bowl as well because I think this is going to be a really good game uh, between Chattanooga and Alabama, and I don't see Alabama coming out with a win at home uh, against Chattanooga. Yeah, again, that's a very bold prediction, uh, and I would love for that to happen. However, I am pretty confident that will not happen as Chattanooga is going to be massive underdogs, and uh, even if Alabama could not care less about that game, I think they could still beat them easily. But uh, we'll, we'll see what that happens. Uh, was it a 40-something point line on that game? So, uh, I, yeah, I, Alabama is going to be just fine. In that Alabama game. will win that game 60-something to very little. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I know on Tuesday I was looking at the uh, college rankings and they put Alabama. I think they put them like at eight in the college in the college rankings last yes. night. And once they put once they put uh, Alabama at number eight, I started laughing out hysterically. That is pretty funny to put them at eight. Uh, and, and why is that funny? Well, because I mean, there. I think Alabama is. They don't even have a quarterback. I mean, who, who's their quarterback? They've been talking about Alabama has a quarterback, and I don't even know who their quarterback is. They don't. The fans don't even know who their quarterback is. The head coach doesn't even know who the quarterback is. So there's no particular reason for Alabama to just sit there and win games without a quarterback i mean alabama has to have a quarterback well james i'll tell you who the quarterback is it's it's jalen milrow uh he's ended up playing uh, really good football here the last six or seven weeks and uh mm-hmm. even on the heisman boards he's starting to show up there as top seven or eight betting odds now i i would personally not put him as a heisman finalist but again uh, some some people are getting them on the board, so yeah, they they absolutely know who the quarterback is, and they did have that early season race there. But uh, yeah, Jalen Milrow has has separated himself by far, and he's actually turned into a, a very solid quarterback for him. Yeah. So if uh, Jalen, uh, I mean, did he play at another school before he came to Alabama in the no. transfer portal? No, he's been at Alabama. Yeah, just about just Bama. Okay, so if he's at Alabama, why they're not saying his name during, like, the games and stuff? They're always saying that Alabama doesn't have a quarterback. I mean, Alabama does have a quarterback. I mean, it's written there in in the Alabama program, you know, for the Alabama fans. And when they see his name, they should, you know, say his name as well. Yeah, you know, I just don't know, man. Uh, I'm – I feel pretty confident. I, I've seen a lot of their games. I have heard them talk about Jalen Miller at some po- some time. Maybe, maybe uh, you, you're you're listening in at the wrong time or something. They're talking about other players, but uh, no, they everyone's aware it's Jalen Miller. Yeah, because I know, um, you know, people uh, they're they're actually comparing him to like Jalen Hurts, um, Bryce Young. I don't see the comparison in that. He he's just a, a freshman as well. Uh, Milrow has been there a year or two, but I, I I have not really thought about how he compares to other Alabama quarterbacks. I know that again, 
Uh, he's improved a little bit with some of the intermediate stuff. I still think his strength is throwing the, the ball deep down the field. He's also lightning fast, and he's been asked to run a little bit more lately, and has been very effective in doing that. Uh, sometimes he still holds on the ball a little bit too long, but you know I, I haven't thought about other comparisons to Alabama quarterbacks. But uh, but I know that he has stepped up his play, and they've needed him to step up his play. But but he certainly has in the Tennessee and LSU games. Kentucky was good. I mean he's uh, he's played good football. Yes, because I know when um, when they actually do play against Georgia, I do have Georgia favored to win uh, the the big game in Atlanta. So I know they're going to win another national championship this year as well. Yeah, once they get, once they do that, they'll be in the playoff for the the national championship. Got to win the SEC title first, and certainly some interesting playoff scenarios there. Yes, as well. And then I do have two quick games I'm going to be watching tonight. Um, I know it's going to be Miami, Ohio. Uh, that's like a small uh, Mac University school, so I'm going to be watching that one as well to see if they're going to have a chance into uh, punching their ticket into a uh, small bowl game in Montgomery as well. So that's going to be a really good game as well. And then uh, Eastern Michigan is playing tonight, so I'm going to be watching them as well to see if they want to punch their ticket in to uh, come to Montgomery as well. Yeah, the good old road to the uh, Camellia Bowl and uh, Central Michigan, Ohio tonight, Buffalo, Miami of Ohio are the two MAC games tonight. Yeah, so I think these are going to be a re- these two games are going to be really really good, and yeah, just like you said, it's uh, the road to the Community Bowl. So that's why um, whoever's going to you know punch their ticket into Montgomery, then that will be who's going to win for the Community Bowl as well. Absolutely, and James, we only got another minute or two with you because we got to get to another call. So what else is on your mind, real quickly? Um, I know with Auburn and uh, New Mexico State uh, that's coming up this weekend, I would like to take uh, the Auburn and New Mexico State uh, trivia as well. Uh, how about we do that one tomorrow? We will remember. Okay. We'll we'll uh, we'll bring it up with you. Auburn, New Mexico State trivia tomorrow. All right, sounds good, and I'll talk to you all then. War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're going to go ahead and head to our next timeout. Back with more sports call right after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Barry, and Tom Peavy with you here. TP Hammock running the board 
and taking your phone calls today. And speaking of phone calls, we've got another one. So let's go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Fine. Thank you always for taking my phone call. And uh, Cam and uh, Captain Tom, right? That's it. Okay. Well, let's get to it, guys. Uh, I feel like I'm uh, I'm in a war damn mood here. All right. All right. How about Mr. Janiah Broom? He's among only 50 players that's been named to the watch list for the uh, Wooden Award, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Now, who are the only other two people that have ever been considered for the uh, Wooden's All-American team? Uh, at what point of the year? Because I would think that Jabari Smith would be one if it's during the year. That's him. You got it. The only other person to do so is who? I didn't even – I forgot about him. I should not have forgot about him, though. Uh, I mean, Barkley? I mean, I don't know when the Barkley award Bar- started. Chris Porter. Chris Porter, okay. Oh, okay. In 1999. I would have thought Barkley, too, but uh, did they not do it back then? I don't, I don't know. I don't know the history of the award. Me neither. Okay. And speaking with basketball, uh, I don't know the lady. Maybe you guys probably do. Uh, but uh, this lady made freshman of the week, Miss uh, Savannah Scott. Yes. No, I've I've been watching her already on the women's basketball team, and, and she is uh, a large player. We asked her uh, – we asked Johnny Harris about her because she's having to fill the role uh, vacated by Aisha Koulibaly. And Savannah Scott is literally 6'4", and she's a load, and uh, she has been very good from the get-go here. Well, she must be darn good then. Uh, she beat out all the other – uh, freshman, yep. right? Yep. All right. And then I read here, uh, unless I read it correctly, that the uh, undefeated 1993 football team reunion would be, uh, I guess, uh, the the players that are remaining still alive will be at the uh, game on Saturday. Is that right? I believe so, yeah. They continue to uh, honor all those teams. And, yeah, the, the, that, that sounds right. So I know the 2013 team uh, players Bowl. will be at yep. the Iron Bowl. All right. Now, guys, you are welcome to rebut me and say, Steve, okay, you've got too much homer in you, but uh, I, I'm willing to do it. Uh, I would say right now, if Georgia was to have a rematch with us, with our current uh, offensive and defensive, uh, I guess, progress we made, I believe we would beat them. Uh, we yeah, should have beat them. I, I, don't, think the that, I don't think that's too – if it's in, right. in Jordan-Hare Stadium – yeah. I, I don't think that's too big of a stretch. Now, I don't think Auburn would go into Sanford Stadium and beat them no. right now at all. No, no but, but if we were having a rematch, you know, at this time of the year, instead of when it was, I think we would beat them. I do think that what benefit Auburn is that in that game, that Georgia, honestly, I don't think that they felt it was that huge of a game for them. Um, they seem to really elevate their play the bigger the game. And so I would wonder that if Auburn got in a win streak, if that they would take that more seriously. I, I know that's implying that um, they didn't play their absolute best against Auburn. But, I mean, if you look at their season, no, I don't feel like they played their absolute yeah. best against Auburn. So, uh, But I also think Georgia has also gotten a lot better now than what they were when Auburn played them. So you have to take that in consideration. While Auburn has improved, so is Georgia. Yeah. I mean, Georgia looks – Really, really dominant right now. And early in the season when Auburn played them, not just against Auburn but against other teams, they did not look dominant. Everybody was wondering, when is the loss going to happen? 
Uh, Carson uh, Beck was just kind of like, okay, you know, they didn't really look all that good. But now as the season has gone on, they, they're looking more and more dominant. So you, you also have to take that into, into account. All right, fair enough, guys, fair enough. Because uh, my Auburn Homer is, I guess, coming through. Uh, but I feel a lot more confident about how offenses and defense are playing now than uh, at the beginning of the season. Uh, speaking about your comments, guys, uh, about what your expectations were and, and how they've been met, uh, and I, I heard yours right about your 2-0. Uh, I hope you don't go uh, undefeated in your uh, – I, I hope not either. Yeah, I don't – I uh, some people – rather be right than actually have good things happen and I, I'm not one of those. I'd rather be, be wrong about game number twelve. And of course we all know that Saban has a losing record in the Iron Bowl at Jordan Hare. Yeah. Uh, I also know that there's that stat that I'm sure we'll bring up several times we now and then that they've not beaten the nine win Auburn team. However, Auburn's not going to get to nine this year unless they win against New Mexico State, against Alabama and win their bowl game. So that that stat would be intact either way, but uh, yeah, no, I the, the obviously the the home Iron Bowls uh, are are very tough tough to play in, and I guess it's not uh, a winning record. I believe what what would it be three and three uh, actually because uh, nine eleven and fifteen Alabama won in uh, Jordan Hare, and then uh, what thirteen seventeen and nineteen. Uh, actually, I'm saying that actually Alabama was four and three of them because they won 21 too. So yeah, now actually they've still got a winning record there in our uh, injured here. Okay, all right. Now um, about the uh, the expectations. You know, mine my my floor was six wins, and I was hoping for maybe uh, an up you know a ceiling of maybe uh, you know nine wins. I thought eight would be realistic. And I was also hoping, of course, uh, that it hasn't happened yet, that we would get an upset win uh, somewhere along the way. Uh, that hasn't happened yet. So th- those were my expectations, uh, unrealistic or not. All right. Now, breaking news in the sports world that we don't pay attention to, but the rest of the world does. Guess who won in the semifinals today to go into the finals in cricket? World, World Cup. Uh, no India. Idea. India. India won, and they said it was a thumping, a seventy-run huh. win. Sure, yay, cricket! Now I don't know how many runs you get or don't get. You know, in a typical uh, cricket game, you got any it. clue? I, I don't have a clue. I know you have to run between the the wickets. I think is what the little posts are called, or or I you run back and forth. Like instead of running bases in baseball, you run back and forth between the the two or the three posts, and I think each one of those counts as a run or something like that. Okay, well, I just call, go ahead and let you know uh, uh, how that went. Now, Australia has to play uh, South Africa, so uh, we'll see uh, how that comes out. And then I saw this. I said, it's about time. The U.S. women's soccer team, national team, has confirmed that they have a new coach. The new head coach is from where? From England. And that coach was the coach of Chelsea's women's uh, uh, soccer team there. And they say that her court ESP and her salary will be close, if not equal, to the U.S. men's national team. Uh, so I know, and that's about $1.6 million. I don't know if you guys have seen that. We had not. All right. So more useless sports information there. All right. And then this is not useless. Uh, I just saw this from uh, Auburn's Foundation yeah, website. Um, for the last dog, it says 
Uh, according to Colin Denver, Deaver of KTSM 9 News, Jerry Kill said that New Mexico State Diego Pavia quarterback practiced some today. He wasn't full speed, and he'll be day-to-day. Apparently he has a hamstring. Uh, did you guys see that? Uh, I had not. Uh, I'd been, again, like I said a little bit earlier, focusing on the Auburn side of thing, and again with – uh, you know, we'll we'll get into some New Mexico State uh, for sure by the end of the week, but uh, this is still a matchup that I think that Auburn dictates, and so yeah. it, it's still whether they have their whole complement of players healthy or not. And I know quarterback certainly very important, but whoever's playing quarterback, whoever's in there for New Mexico State, Auburn needs to win and win decisively. So uh, it, it's still more about Auburn in this Saturday's game. Right, and the reason I bring that up, Ryan, is because you know if you're the coach and you got your starting quarterback who is not 100% and, you know, has a hamstring pull, why, why why go ahead and put him in? You know, save him for the more meaningful game, which is coming up against Liberty. I know we I talked know, about that but yesterday. Why risk him being not full health uh, for a game that he's going to lose with or without him playing? Yeah, look, I, I think from a coaching perspective, that is a far better ar- argument there. Uh, how you know? I, when we were talking yesterday, we were talking more about the players, and the players again were, were, are going to value the opportunity to be on the stage. For a coach, they're going to think more strategy. They're going to think more of a management situation. And yeah, for the coach, if you ask him, would you rather beat Auburn or whether win the conference USA title? I think you're probably leaning conference USA title. Now, it's not meaning. I mean, they'd still love to beat Auburn. I mean, that's that would be a close second on their season because it's a huge team to play. Uh, but yeah, winning their conference would probably mean a little bit more. Like I, I think of because I've since I've always been a fan of UAB and UAB always plays someone like Georgia or LSU. I mean, look, it, it depends on the team. Now, if you're playing number one, like the UAB played Georgia, oh, I would rather UAB beat Georgia than win conference style. I'd be freaking hilarious. But exactly. You know, but but if UAB's playing unranked South Carolina. Then no, I'd rather UAB go play uh, and and win the conference title. So I would think that would be the thought process there. But again, if he regains full health, then I mean they have every right to to trot him out there. Yep. Okay. Um, and I just saw the line. I'm I'm sure probably you guys see it for the uh, uh, championship game. Georgia's a three point favorite. Yeah, I I don't like lines for games that are weeks away. Uh, I mean, unless unless there's no games in between. If you gave me a national championship line three weeks out, that's fine, or or a playoff line because they're not playing anything in between. But uh, we'll, we'll see how the health of those two teams are in the next two weeks, and we'll see how they play. I mean, Georgia and Auburn, or Georgia and Alabama still both have one significant road game left, so uh, we'll we'll see how those go. I thought maybe Georgia was a little bit undervalued. Uh, I thought it'd be a little bit higher, maybe like five to six points. But do you guys do you think that's the, the correct line? I think it would have been that way if Alabama had not looked so impressive offensively these last couple of weeks. I, I think that uh, they, while they were in a little trouble halfway through LSU, they had a decisive second half. They obviously had a decisive second half against Tennessee. And just the feeling is is that Milrow has just gotten a little better each week and, and it's grown a little bit. And so, you know, I, I do – I would favor Georgia, but I myself, am, as of now, thinking about how the process – and I, too, am doubting even who is going to win and by how much. I do think Georgia's the better team. But, uh, again, I, I, again I, I don't want to marry myself to a strong opinion on that. I'll put it that way. Okay, now about tomorrow night's game, and we'll talk more, more about tomorrow. Uh, 
how difficult is it? According to team rankings, they give us a very high percentage of winning this game. But I never know. We haven't had we have small sample. I don't even know how they can make that prediction. But who should be favored tomorrow night's game against Notre Dame? Oh yeah, Auburn definitely should be favored. Uh, Notre Dame is uh, not where they are used to being. They they had to move on from from Mike Bray uh, at the end of last year. He'd been a coach for a long time there. There was first was he retiring or not? I, I think truthfully he was not ready to retire or do anything like that. But I just think it run its course, and uh, I, I think that really Notre Dame is in a bad spot right now. Don't know a whole lot about this this new program, this new team, the new coach, and all that. But I do know that they've already lost to Western Carolina by ten. So so Auburn okay. needs to be favored in this game, and and probably I would say high single digits. I mean, I, I would say about eight eight points or so. Okay, well I hope you're right on that one. And I don't know if you guys watched it last night or not. I saw a little bit of it to see uh, if you know the same thing about Michigan. Uh, and no word, no word was made about the uh, scandal issues when they were uh, listening to the top four um, uh, playoff teams. Do you think, guys, uh, they're just intentionally avoiding it or it's a, a oh, yeah. non-decent for them? On that little 30-, 40-minute show, yeah. I, I Personally, I just want to hear the rankings. I don't need to hear more Michigan talk. I mean, we – we can do that on game day. We can do that and talk segments throughout the week. But you got 30, 40 minutes. Let's focus on everyone's chances at the playoff and at the title. We don't have to rehash the, the, the theoretical stuff about who will get punished and for how long and that sort of stuff. Okay. Thank you, guys, for your time as always. My time is way up. So uh, you'll have a safe uh, and a relaxing afternoon. Now, this is a podcast. Hopefully, later on. And uh, we'll get some really shot tomorrow. Where you'll see. Appreciate that phone call as always. That is retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. And that is how the first hour of the show will end. Coming up in hour number two, we'll expand our college football horizons. We will talk a little playoff. We will talk a little coaching carousel. All the good discussion points coming up in hour number two. And a reminder in hour number three, Joe Bartle of RotoWire will join us to talk some fantasy football. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. 
Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday. Hump day, middle of the week, and middle hour of the middle show of the week. TP Hammock is running the board and taking your phone calls on this Wednesday. And we have to get right back to the orthopedic clinic phone line as we go back there now. 334-887-3401 locally. Toll free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us today. Next up on the program, Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you today? Doing great, guys. Was that TP that answered the phone when I called? It was, yes. I called him Tom. And they both have two distinct voices, so... I'm sorry about that, TP, but dang. Uh, hey, man, you knew I couldn't sit idly by and listen to Steve call in and say something absurd like that. <laughs> what in the world? Okay. We give y'all, y'all want to move us to the beginning of the year so you can have, stand a better chance, get us while we're down. We do that for you. You still haven't beat us. You couldn't beat us late in the year, okay? Now we got to beat you twice a year? Is that what we got to do? <laughs> I don't uh, understand. I mean, I really don't get it. Okay. We came into Auburn. Did you know that that was Carson Beck's first SEC road game? Right. Did you, so that'd be like taking a freshman, you know what I'm saying, into Jordan Hare Stadium, and we come out with a victory. Okay. But, you know, I guess it's like sometimes people have a little bit of. They kind of make fun of the Auburn family and stuff like that. Because, let's see, you're on a three-game SEC winning streak, right? Yes. Okay. And those three teams were, I think if we started at the bottom of the SEC and worked up, it would be Vanderbilt, what, Ole Miss? Yeah, Arkansas, Mississippi State. Arkansas. Yeah. Right. Okay. But we're going to beat the currently ranked number one team in the country, if they give us another shot. We're a little bit tired of playing Auburn and beating them. You know what I'm saying? You know how you said, okay, if a team plays a team ten times, right, they'll win six out of ten or something like that? Right. If we gave you ten times, we'd win ten out of ten. If we gave you twenty times, we'd beat you eighteen out of twenty. Sure, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, so you understand where I'm going with this? I mean, yes. what we got Peyton Thorne is going to be a Heisman candidate, okay? And we're going to – what? And Ryan, even you said it. And Tom, he stuck by his gun. We had talked before this three-game winning streak that the quarterback for this team is not even at Auburn yet. Now we're trying to decide if we even need to go get another quarterback for Auburn. Because Peyton Thorne is, I guess he's going to win out, right? New Mexico shouldn't be a pushover. Everybody, all my Auburn fans said, hey, we stand a chance. We are probably going to beat Alabama because you see the way we have Arkansas using uh, Steve's logic. Arkansas beat, almost beat Alabama. We killed Arkansas. So you know what that means to an Auburn fan? They ought to beat Alabama. Right? Well, hey, I, well, hey, I'm going to jump in here. I so I have predicted since the beginning of the season. 
Huh? You did. I know. I, did. I, I predicted that Auburn yeah. would beat Alabama, and my whole reasoning of that is that Auburn and Alabama, the Iron Bowl and Jordan Hare Stadium, it's just different. Brian Harson almost beat Alabama. Like, literally, if Tank Bigsby does not step out of bounds, if Tank Bigsby just lays on the ground, Auburn right. and Brian Harson beat Alabama. Holy crap. I mean, yeah, you, you can't tell me that Hugh Freeze and a much better team does not stand a really, really good chance of beating Alabama when that atmosphere in Jordan-Hare Stadium gets the way it is. I understand, but it's not going to happen. I mean, I mean, I don't predict games. I don't bet on games. What the line's still going to be? What two and a half points? Doesn't matter if, like you say, Alabama, you know, come in number eight team in the country. Auburn, you know, they they're going to be on a four game winning streak. But still, the line is it's not going to be Alabama and six or you know a touchdown or anything. It always stays at three, two and a half points. Just because it is Iron Bowl, but yeah, Tom, to your credit, you've said that. But uh, I, I didn't believe you then. I still don't <laughs> believe. <laughs> but, but I mean, it's just so weird how all this. I'm glad you all got hope. And like you say, I am surprised there is not a new contract out, and it may come. I guarantee you, there'll be a new contract if Alabama beat wins in, or Auburn wins an Iron Bowl. My God, you only thought Jimbo Fisher's time oh, to Yeah. Wait, wait, and you know it's coming, Ryan. You no, know they're going to do it. I, I, yeah. Not year I, one. Not year one. Okay. Okay. But, and, and, well, like you say, I would say wait till after the bowl game, but dang, that's not going to happen. But, hey, I just had to call in to get my two cents worth in. I didn't know. I mean, we're talking about eight, eight game seasons at – Nine game message, and if we got to play Auburn twice, how are we going to fit that into our schedule? <laughs> so you just—it's all thanky. I mean, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. That just gives us more wins. So, um, uh, but see, you're, you're delusional. Make I think maybe you got into that liquor cabinet anyway. You know, <laughs> celebratory so, this uh, time, but yeah, uh, still nevertheless, yeah. yeah. Three day bender, I'm thinking. So, but thanks. But hey, you all have a great show. And um, I'll talk to you later on the week, I'm sure. Sounds good, Jeff. Yes, sir. Appreciate the phone call as always. That's Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Uh, Having some fun with uh, with Steve there after uh, announcing or or thinking that, uh, you know, things would go different the second time around. I think, Tom, as you put it, the original time to just address that a little bit more. Yeah, Auburn has improved, uh, and I think that is – Regardless of who they played, obviously they played weaker teams. But right. I think when you start again, you start to throttle weaker, weaker teams too. You are starting to show the difference. But also think that Georgia is the best version of themselves now too. Right. And I mean, still objectively, clearly the better team. So yeah, I mean, you're. I think you could do something like you did last time and give yourself a shot, and and maybe you pull something out of the hat. But I mean, still, you know. You can't can't only look at one side of the equation. And again, Carson Beck for Georgia has continued to play good football. He did it without Brock Bowers for a couple of weeks there. Now Brock Bowers is back. Uh, again, they they have 
they have flexed when they've needed to flex this year. So, uh, but I mean, if you want to play out the hypotheticals a little bit, I mean, I think Georgia's still at least a. Li- I mean, I, I don't love picking that game yet, but I still think Georgia's a little better than Alabama. So, if you believe that Auburn would go and handle things differently against Georgia, well, I guess you kind of figure that out if they go handle Alabama and and in a couple of weeks, but uh, or at least get an idea of it. So, we'll see though, uh, and certainly still want to uh, say that given how it looked at three and four there was certainly some doubt on if it would turn around even against the, the weaker competition so uh, I know there's always a balance and everything but uh, some were getting really down on it it was a moment of truth uh, for them to go figure it out against Mississippi State Vandy and Arkansas all right so there are some big conversations to be had in the in the college football universe right now. I think that you know we're, we're going to hit some carousel here in a moment. I do want to hit on the college football playoff rankings again. Not a whole lot's changed the last couple weeks. The dynamics are still the dynamics, but we are moving along in the season here. I mean, we're down to two regular season weeks plus conference title games. And guys, to be quite honest with you, it feels like we've been a little bit lean on the chaos this year. Things are yeah. actually got a shot of kind of playing out with all the big teams having a crack at it on the final week. Like it feels like usually there's about five, maybe six teams that have a scenario for the playoff on the final week. Well, right now I I assure you there are at least eight. And there may not be more than eight, but there are eight. Yeah. Everyone from Georgia to Alabama has a a clear, um, concise path to it because of what's yet to occur. And so I think we start here with the SEC dynamic, right. which is Georgia and Alabama. And I hate it for Mizzou. They don't have any shot. Right. No, yeah, Missouri, no, no shot. And then, you know, with the two losses, too, you'd have to, you'd have to win the division. But good for them to get right. to nine. Right. Heck of a year. But surprising year. Yeah. Heck of a year, surprising year. So. I've laid out the path before. I still believe it's the path. I mean, what's your thoughts on how Georgia and Alabama would go? Slash, if Al really, it's a mute point. Georgia wins because it's an obvious how you do the playoff right, at that point. Right. But what the playoff scenario would be there if Alabama won? Oh, that's a tough one. I I just don't know how much Alabama can jump at this point, right? Because Texas is at seven. Right, and then six is Oregon, five is Washington. Right, if I if I'm right. remembering yes. off the top of my head, and one of those is going to drop. And one of those is going to mm-hmm. drop. Right, and then one of I I mean one of Michigan and Ohio State is going to drop. So that's fair. Um, that's up to six. Yeah. So so that and then you put them above Georgia for beating Georgia. Right. right? Ah, above Georgia. I mean Alabama. Georgia's number one right now though. So how far down does Georgia fall? Because I mean, I, I mean, we can pretty much all agree that there's only going to be one SEC team in the playoffs yes. this year, right? So how far down does Georgia fall for that one? But you got to give Alabama credit for yeah. winning on the neutral yeah, field, right? I, I, I'm if, <laughs> yeah, hey, scenario if if Alabama run if Alabama still runs the table this all right because they got Chattanooga and Auburn, they'll probably get in at four if if they still get that. Beat Georgia in the championship game, then I think yeah, they're. They'll, they'll I in. think they're, they're in the playoffs. Would you jump yeah. them over Texas? Uh, no, I will not jump them over Texas if Texas wins out because they have the head to head. Texas has the head to head. Tommy, 
Yes, no, maybe. Mm. Mm, man, I, uh, I get the I get the head to head. That's a disjustice. If I know. They tell I know. I I, I know it is, but also on their home field. Sure, on their home field. No, 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 I get it. Um, I would also though almost have to look at it. I, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get the Then games head. don't matter. Texas has huh? to lose. Then games don't matter. No, no, no. Yeah. I, oh, well, I think they're better now. No. Okay, well, well, I, I know. But what I'm what I'm saying is if you knock off the two-time defending national champion who has been number one all season, I think that weighs – to me, that weighs more than a loss to Texas – Way back earlier in the so season, the team you're but judging them against who beat them. I I, I know Texas I get didn't that. have the opportunity to play Georgia. Yeah, that's I know that's, I, they I did have the I opportunity know. to play Alabama. I know I get that. I just I just I think beating Georgia I, I, weighs I, I more weighs more than a, a loss to somebody way earlier in the season. I I, I get what and you're I get saying, that. Well, and, and, I, well, the I things just, that, and I also get what y'all are saying. The head, to, the head to head should be important. It, it has to be. But I'm but I'm I'm also thinking about how these, like what we would do or what we think would happen. An SEC now what, list. Now me personally. list. Sure, now me me. But what has happened? Alabama lost to Texas. I, well, I know it that. happened. No, I'm I'm saying oh, though, hypothetically, I'm, I kind of think that they. Well, would no, beat I'm them saying like, no hypothetically how the how who would how the the group would. Pick who they would pick, how they would look at it, is different than Bob, you know, than what we're looking at. Right. Yes, I personally think the head-to-head matchup is what right. it is. You put Texas above that, but I think the people that ultimately make that decision would look at it and go, oh. "Them beating Georgia weighs more than losing to Texas way back at the beginning of the season." I look to be and fair, and so then I would think they would put that line Bama thinking, up there. I I think that they could do that. Right. I, I'm not. Yes. This is not. This is not me. I, I wholeheartedly believe they could and might do that. I'm saying I this is the should sure. department. Okay. Right well, the, yeah. well, the I should the should, should department that we're talking about. Then yes. Okay. You don't jump them over Texas. But it, the head you, to head. Yes. But Texas, you think Texas they has, would? And I think I, they and would. I I, I I can't decide, but Ooh, I think they. I think I it's possible. I, I think they would. I think they would. I think they would. However, I think that if Texas, Texas has been hurt a little bit by, and I know we got to get to a phone call here. Texas has been hurt a little bit by the fact that Oklahoma ended up losing twice. If right. they just lost once, and that's a top seven or eight, nine team, and they play them again, and they avenge the loss, then you know that that helps their side of the argument because you're still beating a top seven or eight team the last week. But the reality is, is Big 12's got some solid teams. They don't have any other really good teams. Oklahoma's good, but they're not amazing, and they're certainly not Georgia's level. Uh, and so that that is going to hurt them a little bit, even though it's, again, a neutral site game that they lost at the, at the wire, and then you're comparing them to Alabama. Like, if – if the teams were flipped, well, they couldn't have been flipped. They couldn't have been flipped because then Alabama wouldn't be perfect. But I, I, I just I don't I, I think that's a really if that happens, I'm and I kind of think it might. Oh, I'm if it happens, that's the most perfect way for the four team playoff to end with an absolute screw job yeah. of, of a team that did win that game. So that would that would give everyone that's been oh I just want to keep it at four actually I don't even want four I wanted two that would be the most appropriate way 
to end it. And, and so I don't know. We'll we'll see. We do have to get to another phone call here on the Anger, Clinic phone line. Frustration. 334-887-3401 locally, toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. If you want to call us today, next up on the show. Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing good. And you guys doing well. Man, I love it how y'all playing around with numbers. You know, we get into all this mathematic equations and analytics and and algebra and all these quadratic equations, trying to figure out some kind of formula to get certain teams. You know, I'm going to tell you guys, I uh, this is what I believe. If Georgia finishes the regular season undefeated and cruise on into that championship game, and if Alabama do what Alabama, what we think Alabama's going to do, is go ahead and take care of Chattanooga and then come down here and take care of Auburn and go on to the championship game, if they can come out there with a victory against Georgia, then what you got is a Georgia undefeated in the regular season, uh, the past two years been back-to-back national title winner, and then you got an Alabama team that's three years removed from a national championship, Hallelujah Land uh, victory. Then I'm all, almost certain that anybody would want both of those teams in. And then if Ohio State does what Ohio State needs to do, they're going to be in. That's three. So then you got to figure out whether it's going to be Texas or Florida State for that fourth spot is what I'm thinking. I ain't see no way in the world you could leave out when you're talking about Alabama that has won – when you look at it now, they're three years removed from winning the championship. And look at all the history of Nick Saban and all that. Who's in Alabama program itself? You don't want to leave that out of a playoff just because they uh, messed around and lost one game to Texas early in the season when they was trying to figure out what to do with the quarterback and had problems with the offensive line and whole offensive system and problems here and there. And they, over the weeks, got it together and come on through this thing and, and, and uh, went the rest of the way in the regular season, won the rest of the regular season games, then got in the, got in the conference championship game and unseated a Georgia team that has just beat everybody down the last three years or whatnot. I mean, I don't see no way you could leave that out. I mean, versus some of those other teams. They just don't make any sense. Go ahead and take the two powerhouses from the Southeastern Conference. You take Ohio State out of the Big Ten, and then you figure out, well, do we want Florida State or do we want Texas? So not only do you think Alabama would be in, you think Georgia would still be in? Why not? I mean, you got back-to-back defending title holder, went the regular season, uh, uh, the darling of the SEC this year in the last two years, and, and uh, undefeated, and just had a slip-up against a, a magic name, uh, uh, Alabama, uh, you know, the big shoe, uh, more bowl victories than any team in college football, more national titles and all that stuff. I mean, come on, ain't like they just lost. Lost to uh, South Carolina or, or, or Tennessee, or uh, I mean, you know, in a conference game or somebody like that, uh, or played uh, North Carolina. Just using for example, ain't like they played North Carolina Tar Heels in the conference championship game and lost. They ain't, I mean, come on, you talking about they lost to Alabama? They just didn't lose to a cream puff or, or some middle of the road team or somebody that had no. So Texas in the game. got lucky. Well, okay, well um, I understand that. So, but so Anthony, so. Texas, who also would be a one-loss team, who beat Alabama, who yeah. didn't lose no cream puff, they lost to Oklahoma, yeah. and then won their Big 12 title game, yeah. would would not be in. And then you would well, also have- not have an undefeated team like Washington, who would have won about six or seven top 25 matchups this year and not lost a single one of them, but because of their name, they wouldn't be in. Well, hey, look here, man. I'm just going to tell you, uh, like I said, Alabama – Georgia, Ohio State, and then they had to figure out whether they want Florida State, Texas, or either Washington for that final. Yeah, spot. that's just not how that's going to actually work, Anthony. I'm just, Wait, I'm just promise you, it's not going to work I don't, that I don't, way. Look, I don't know how it may work, and you don't really know either. You're just saying whatever. I mean, you never know when people get behind closed doors and start voting. I'll do you one better. In 1983, 
the theme of the season was tragedy before triumph. You probably weren't born. I don't know if you were or not, if you know anything about that. I was in junior high school at the time. Greg Pratt was going to be the starting fullback for Pat Dye, but got in the strength and conditioning program, got overheated, and had a heart attack. And that was a very, I tell you, emotional season. And that's what they labeled it. And Dye, I think, lost one game that year during the regular season, but went ahead and won the first Southeastern Conference Championship that Auburn had, hadn't won since days of Shug Jordan. And that with the legendary Bo Jackson, had Tommy Ager came in and was a starting fullback. And they went on up there and played a Michigan team in the Sugar Bowl and kicked three field goals with Al Del Greco. I think it beat them nine to six or whatever it was, uh, nine to three or whatever. And was ranked number three. You had, uh, not mistaken, you had Texas and uh, Nebraska. Nebraska was ranked number one, Texas was number two, and Auburn was number three. And uh, Miami Hurricanes uh, messed around and beat that number one Nebraska. Uh, Texas got unseated in the Cotton Bowl by somebody. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Georgia Bulldogs. I don't remember. But uh, I tell you what, Auburn should have been. Uh, we all thought that Auburn had done it. Thought Pat died in Academy Hallelujah Land. But the voters decided something different because they didn't respect Auburn. Didn't even, some people didn't know what Auburn was, and they went the other way. It took a number eight Miami and leapfrogged them that much and gave them a national title. If anything, they should have probably split it, but Auburn should have won it outright. So that, that's what I'm saying. You never know what voters may do. You never know what might be in their mind when they get ready to sit down and do this thing together. Who knows? You never know. Maybe some sponsors or some people that we got a lot of money on the line when you start talking about advertising, Coca-Cola, just for example, or anybody might say these might be the better teams for us from a from a, a, a sponsorship program uh, 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 standpoint or whatnot, or making money, selling tickets, or whatever it is. I mean, all those teams can sell tickets, but I don't think Washington going to sell tickets like Alabama would. I don't believe it. You know what I mean? I don't think Florida State would either. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they want to see Florida State. Maybe not. But I guarantee you, if Alabama do what I think Alabama's going to do, you're going to see Alabama and Georgia. You're going to see Ohio State, and then they'll figure out what to do with that last spot. Somebody's going to be unhappy, but that's what it is. But next year, 12-team playoff. We won't be that tight. We won't have to worry about it that bad like that. Amen. Amen. And I can't wait for but it. Like, but like I said, gentlemen, uh, you know, you got your opinion, and I respect that. But, you, like I said, you never know what might be in these people's mind when they go in there and vote. I mean, you just never know. We'll, we'll see. But I, I don't see no way you can leave Bama out and you can't leave Georgia just because they slipped up in the championship game. But look who, if, if they slip up, look who is two. You know what I'm saying? Washington ain't playing nobody like that. I mean, you know, huh? Well, I, tell, wants, I will tell you this. I will tell you this. While you, you might be able to make th- that assertion with the, the top of the rankings, Again, the SEC has clearly underperformed this year, and it did that from the very get-go in its non-conference competition. Uh, And and so what you still have is a full-looking resume, not just one simple thing at the top, and then that's when you're going to see the the total schedule and the amount of top 25 teams you played and and all that, and that's when you start to have a a real conversation about the Pac-12 this year because the Pac-12, although in prior years has been not even holding a candle to the SEC, this year it clearly has. And so uh, it it is way more complicated this year than it is in in years past when you're actually delineating between the conferences. Well, I tell you what, we'll let the games be played and we'll let the voters vote. And when it's all tallied up, we'll see who's where and who's not where. And then that'll take care of itself. But I do believe that if Alabama go ahead and, and can win out, they will go on to the championship, and Georgia going to follow right along into excuse me, into the playoffs with them. Sure. I don't see no and, way you. Can, uh, I don't see no way you can come out a two-time defending national champion 
that only uh, lost in the conference championship game, and you're talking about leaving them out of the playoffs or either leaving Alabama out over some kind of Washington team way out on the West Coast that nobody cares about playing in a weak conference. Nobody care about them. Huh? Yeah, Nobody and that's not how we should be team. doing playoffs, by the way. We should not be deciding huh? a national title depending on who cares about who. That's an absolute well, well, awful way what. of deciding. I, I tell you what, you know, I've said for years, they're getting close. they got 12 teams, but I favor the 16 teams. You can't, I mean, 16 teams, the top 16 teams in the country, uh, which I believe will get to 16 at some point because money, 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 money. Right. I told you all years ago, money is going to make that thing happen, and, it's gonna, and, that's, and that's what it is, money. People love money. Don't you like money? I don't love money, but I sure can spend some. How about you? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree. No, and, and again, you and I, I have agreed with you on every step with the playoff. I, I, I agree that there should be a, a larger one. I agree that it is because of money, and I agree that over time it will continue to get bigger and bigger. So you, are, say, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. I'm going to say one more thing, and I know y'all got other calls. I'm going to tell you what I really believe, other than the money that really made this playoff happen like it did, the NIL money. Because now people can say, well, they ain't really abusing players and overworking them. Because if you got a guy pulling in a million here and a guy pulling over three there and a guy, a guy pulling in 500000 here and a guy pulling in 200000 there, then we're not really abusing anybody if they got all that going on and all these uh, student-athletes uh, got all these endorsements and, and living house the hog. So I think that right there really pulled the trigger and really made that happen. But that's just my two cents. I appreciate it, guys. I'll be calling y'all next week. going to be Iron Bowl week. We're going to get on that thing. We're going to make it do what it do. Yes, sir. And somebody got to win and somebody got to lose. I appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it, Anthony. Uh-huh. That is Anthony calling from Auburn. I always love how he ends phone yeah. calls. He, and here's the thing. Yeah, Auburn's going to win, so all this talk about oh, what's no. going to happen with oh, Alabama is going to be a moot point. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe. We'll see. Uh, that's why they're, as Anthony can say, let it do what it do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're going to go to our first break. We've been uh, we've been active here to start the 4 o'clock hour. First break here of the 4 o'clock hour. We'll come back. We will talk some more playoffs. We will talk coaching, carousel, all the good stuff. And we'd love to hear from you here again on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 or toll free, one 9 tiger 9 if you want to call in today. Sports Call returns after this timeout. Timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back. This Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here. T.P. Hammett running the board and taking your phone calls. Lively discussion about the college football playoff. Appreciate uh, their Jeff and Anthony for calling in to the show. Again, if you want to be a part of the show, 334-887-3401. Uh, more playoff I think we need to discuss before we go on to the uh, coaching hot hot seat discussions. Yeah. Uh the, again, what, what the whole premise? We you just heard some some branches of it from Anthony and some of that, and his opinion on who should be in and that sort of thing. But this is all set up by again the premise that this year, 
Unlike pretty much every year, there might have been one or two in there. I can't recall every single situation for all nine years of this that we've yeah. done it since 14. Gosh, I can't but, believe it's already been yeah. nine years. That's wild. But this year, clearly, it's been going more with, with less chaos, and it's created a situation where there are eight teams, not five or six right now, eight that have clear arguments and have clear pathways. And that's why we have the potential to have very heated discussions and arguments based on how this plays out. Yeah. Now, there are some simplifiers. You know, if Georgia beats Alabama, that's a team that's clearly two losses out. Uh, Washington beats Oregon again, Oregon clearly out. Right. Texas loses to anyone at any time the rest of out. the year, they're out. And then right. you don't have to worry about that Alabama, Texas. What do you, what do, you do there? Right. Uh, so, that, so that's clear. Uh, Ohio State, Notre Dame, or excuse me, Ohio State, Michigan loser, you know, probably out. I won't tell you there's no scenarios because chaos would then ensue. But if you assume chalk for other things, loser would feel out. And then you could party with the Ohio State, Michigan winner, Florida State, Georgia, and then Washington at that point. And then that's a pretty clear scenario. Yeah. Uh, And and then the, the, but then you start to branch, right? So, Okay, if Washington loses Oregon. Okay, I, I still think that that's Oregon over the one-loss Big Ten yes. team. But, okay, there you go. There's your first iteration. The wild thing is, if again, if really the wild thing is if Alabama beats Georgia. That, that is the thing that's that right, will that's, really – things into chaos. Right, sure. because then – because I would even tell you if Florida State loses the game, out. Period. Doesn't matter. If they mess up, lose Florida, lose to Louisville in the ACC title game, out. Yeah, they're just, done. Just flat out, out. Now – I doubt there's Louisville fans listening, but if there are, they say, "What about us? We're a one-loss team. We're tenth in the country. What if we beat Florida State? You need a lot of chaos. You don't. You don't control your own destiny. You need like four or five things to happen. You need some of it to start happening before the title game, honestly. So, uh, like, is it fathomable? Yes. By the way, that Louisville is a team uh, that I feel would be a poster child for. Hey, let's have twelve-team playoff because if they do somehow beat Florida State, and again, they will not be in the right. the, the playoff. Like that's a team that should compete for a national title if they've Absolutely. only lost one game and are in a big conference. Yet they would not be in. And I'm not sure. arguing they should be in in four, but I'm arguing just as in th- just as a concept, right. you should still be fighting for the national title at that. So uh, anyway, try to digest the the conundrums that we would have with Alabama winning the title game and the SEC title game and what that would mean and just how. I guess you could also start with: Do you would you rank any of these t- teams differently now? Is this the the top eight the way you see fit, or would there be an adjustment? I mean, we could start there, I guess. Yeah, I, I see this top eight as it is. I, I think I think it's all pretty pretty accurate. Um, Washington being the odd odd man out as of right now, and and the way that they have Michigan and and Ohio State up there, I am curious. So. They're having the hearing with uh, this is just kind of a tangent. They're having the hearing with Jim Harbaugh, right? Yep. And so I wonder if that I know the committee, you know, the head of the committee said that they're not going to make any decisions based off anything like that. Uh, they're, you know, Michigan is the eligible team, things like that. So as of right now, they will consider them a college football playoff team. But I wonder if if they do give a ruling, you know, they do come to some type of decision. You, I, I, do you think that they will? I don't know. What do you, I don't, I just, what do you think with that, Ryan? You just don't, you don't think that anything they won't will be come touched to by the NCAA until after yeah. the season. You don't think yeah. anything will come. So they okay, won't be so disqualified. That, that's that's a moot point. Okay. So 
dealing with Michigan and Ohio State, though, you know, one of those two, I think, will just more than likely be out, just however it plays out. Um, I, I, and then, you know, the winner of Michigan and, and, or excuse me, not Michigan, the winner of Washington and Oregon, I think that person, that team uh, ends up getting in, uh, ultimately. Texas kind of is in a tough situation, obviously, like you said, with the Oklahoma uh, having the second loss. That kind of diminishes their their uh, their resume, and 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 then losing to an Oklahoma State team that ended up getting, of course, the following week getting blown out by US UCF. So it just kind of dimin- diminishes the the resume as a whole. Um, I mean, if Georgia if Georgia were to lose to Alabama. I just I still don't know if I can I still don't know if I can take Georgia out though that's the tough thing I just I don't know if I can take Georgia out, um, but I guess with the one loss I mean they'd kind of have to right, Ugh, it's weird it's that's tough because I, I just don't see look, two, I just don't see two SEC teams getting in and and obviously if Alabama wins the SEC championship I think that's the championship with the most weight on it just with in terms of just respectability and things like that that the SEC championship has. Right. I, I think that, that Alabama has to get in. So uh it's Look, tough. here's what I'll I give think, Anthony. I think Georgia would end up being at five. I I, 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 w- I will mention Anthony again here. The concept if and he's evaluating just from this side of it. He he's just from this side of it. And I, I know he's factoring into the you know other teams or smaller brands and and money and all that. Yeah. But we're talking about the competitiveness of it and the, the deserving nature of winning a title or competing for a title. If you're if you operate under the premise that Georgia having won just two straight national titles, although I don't think that should be incredible incredibly relevant for this particular year because right. we should be limiting the on the field this particular year. But you're saying their only loss after an undefeated regular season, after trouncing all the ranked teams that they played, is a very close neutral site loss to Alabama, who only has one loss and is it might end up making the playoff and all that. If you're saying that that team should not be disqualified for playing for national title, I would agree with you in a, in a vacuum. Like like yes, that team still should be in the national title conversation, and it should be competing for a chance to win a title. However, that's the conundrum with four teams. Is yeah, this you, is absolutely. There are other teams this, this that would be season, just as deserving. Yeah, this is the season that's proving a 12th right. team and, is actually pretty necessary. And look, we might get the chaos. There's still two weeks in conference titles, no. but I'm just saying we are getting closer than we ever have before to having a real. This is going to justifiably suck for a couple teams. And you might say, well, this is the this isn't the norm. It's a rare occasion. Okay, great, awesome. We should never have any occasion. Where we right. felt like more teams should have still been playing for a title, and not, and it's like, oh well, then we're gonna have all these teams that don't really feel like they should be playing. Well, then they'll lose. Okay, great, awesome. You got more football games that mattered. Again, I, I understand people are still passionately in defense of four or or even of just two, but I still can't fathom why you actively want less games that matter. That's still a concept that. Uh, it, it's hard to get around for me. So you you would eliminate any possibility of teams that really should be competing for a championship. Because it's th- this year, it's not even about the numbers, although the number will be very important because of just actually being able to qualify for the playoff. But you're looking at a situation where you're going to very likely have teams that under any format, 
would have an argument. Any format would have an argument to win a title. I mean, if you get close to chalk here, you give me the Big Ten. And again, I could say that about the Big Ten loser. Like, th- this is the whole point. I'm writing off the Big Ten loser as just not getting a chance at the tile game. In any other format of football or any other format of sports, you lose one time to a, a undeniably great team. It doesn't disqualify you from winning a title. That's the whole point of why we're going to end up in a bigger playoff and why we should. Because we're under we're trained to think, oh, well, you know, if Ohio State loses by three to Michigan, guess that's out. Guess they're done. Or if Michigan loses by a touchdown, guess they're done. They lost a great team in the regular year. And they have no shot because of that? That's fundamentally to me flawed. It just is. Because we already it's not like, oh well, are you gonna say that about, you know, a group of five team? We still can have eyes and we can still have eye tests, but we know enough to know that Michigan and Ohio State are very damn good. We know that. They Michigan drubs every team they play. And Ohio State has won every big game they played. We know that. And so that is why, gosh, this conversation is great for radio. It's great to decide who should be in when you got seven or eight options, you got four spots. But it's not great for actually deciding the deserved nature of teams, deserved nature of teams. And having a playoff that actually gives you gives teams that deserve the right to compete for the title the, the right. And dang it again, I'm not. I, I really hope that that 12 ends up passing with flying colors because I, I again, just needs, the premise of these conversations. Right. Really, all these teams have gotten far enough along. Maybe if Texas lost again, I would say, eh. but really, all these teams, in my view, have done enough already this year to show me they should be competing for a national title in some sort of playoff format. Really, all eight of them. Uh, and then, again, although I might not think Louisville maybe is on the same caliber as a team, if they were to get to the end of the year 11-1 and in a major conference, I'd say, again, that's the type of team. Let's see if you can prove me wrong. Let, let me see if my assumptions are flawed because they beat Notre Dame. You know, we're, we're, we're giving all these credit for a couple of teams that beat Notre Dame like Ohio State. Louisville beat Notre Dame. Oh, no problem. So, again, that's, that's not for me to say don't twist my words it's not for me to say that i think louisville should be in a real four team format conversation but that type of team at this point in the year has not disproven themselves for having the right to participate in a playoff for a title so anyway i don't know tom other thoughts playoff before we move on in, in conversation I, I mean the 12 i mean it needs to happen as far as this year we'll just see i i mean we can we can sit here and talk about you know what happens if there's no chaos or what happens if there's chaos. I mean, I, I and I don't know what the selection committee ultimately wants to look at and how they would do it. You know, just like that whole debate that we had about Georgia. You know, we, or, or not even not Georgia, but uh, Texas, Alabama, that whole conversation. But um, hey, we'll let it play out. But eventually, they're going to have to expand to the twelve. I think it's needed. It's it's necessary. It's needed. And, yeah, I mean, you're going to have the people go, okay, well, if you expand to 12, then expand it to 20. And then now everybody's involved. It's like, well, no, but. We can have cutoffs that yeah, work for everybody. Right. I mean, yeah. when, when you just limit it to four, you're, you're really not doing justice to the other teams that have every right to be in there. And because the selection committee 
can only do the four, uh, yeah, you know, it, it has to be able to open up to more opportunities. Right. And, and look, again, maybe, maybe the skits iron out, right? Because uh, Georgia might very, and really the SEC title game is probably the biggest agent of chaos in this. If Georgia beats Alabama, there will be pretty simplified down the line. If this happens, then that. If that happens, then this. Uh, or if Auburn were to, to stun Alabama in the Iron Bowl, by the way, that that one too. Uh, and then if Alabama won the the SEC title game, uh, Alabama is still not in at ten and two or eleven and two. Uh, and then Georgia is going to get nervous all, all of a sudden. So, I mean that that would be that would be the pathway for not having any uh, SEC uh, teams in there. But uh, you know, I again. If if that goes to Georgia, we will we will iron it out. And under our four team format, we will probably get the four right, and we will probably be fine. And there won't be too much bickering because a team will have acquired one loss in the case of Michigan or Ohio State, or a or, or you know one loss to Washington. That's another thing. It's like I in all these situations because they will play a lot of them out. Okay. By the way. If we're doing this the right way, I don't think if Washington runs the table, goes 12-0, and and then loses to Oregon by a touchdown on a neutral, that at 12-1, and Washington would not be deserving under a, a general circumstance of not competing for a national title. It is just that under this format, under only four teams, and I only can pick four, then yes, you have to take Oregon over them, and therefore Washington is not going to end up in there. But uh, it, it is... Again, that's that's the whole premise. I think this year would I would just slap if it ends up the way it could. I'd slap it on a poster. This is why I, I wanted more teams. Uh, and be done with it. We only have a couple more minutes in the hour. I do want to give opportunity right now, uh, or give people the opportunity right now before we go to our hour break. If you give us a call at three three four eight eight seven three four zero one or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine, we are giving away right now four tickets to Auburn and New Mexico State inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium this weekend. Again, the number to dial, 334-887-3401 or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First call right now uh, at that number, four tickets to Auburn, New Mexico State on Saturday as uh, the Tigers get set. Last two games of the year, both at home this season. Uh, and I know that... Uh, Obviously, they've been hot tickets all season long. The passion in Jordan-Hare Stadium has been incredible. Uh, it is now going to be uh, really a situation where they're going to have it. They're going to have the four-game losing streak, the four-game winning streak this year, which is uh, pretty impressive stuff, honestly, uh, when you think about the symmetry of a season. Uh, to, to have the four, look, we all knew the four-game yeah. stretch would be tough. Uh, had a various amount of ranked teams in there, road games, all that. And then, yeah, the schedule played out to where all the weaker teams in the league were after that. But the thing about playing all the bad team or all the good teams there and, and losing four in a row is it makes you doubt what you are. Yeah. And and certainly Auburn had to change things. If Auburn was still rotating two quarterbacks, I don't know if you get the, oh, the initial you win. Don't. Or anything like that, but I started to feel better about it once I saw that even though yes, on you, you beat Vandy on the scoreboard by 15, you just saw all the plays that could have been made, 
And for the first time, you're like, schematically, that was good. Right. It was real good, actually. Yep. And the players messed up some things. Mm-hmm. And there were some some uh, penalties that they did commit. Some miscues, that, for sure. That, that, they did, uh, that, that cost them. But they could have put 40-something there. And I just don't think earlier in the year that they would, would have been capable of doing that. So that's what told me there was real progress. Now, I don't know what exactly Arkansas told me because that's still a beatdown that I just did not think would, would be going on. Yeah. Uh, but certainly it has shown that there has been improvement no matter the team, no matter the opponent. And so it's exciting to, to be on the cusp there of a four-game uh, losing streak, then a four-game winning streak. And then the Iron Bowl will kind of decide there if you fall back on one side of the equation or another. There's also uh, a bunch of conversation to be had on on bowl projections because, golly, I, I have to look it up every year on, on how complicated the bowl selection process is. <laughs> yeah, and right. then you look it up and you remember, oh, really, there's no good way of deciding it because it doesn't rank out as this bowl game gets the fourth team and this one gets the fifth and this it's one gets the sixth. all random there's a, outside there, of the New Year's six. Yeah. And then the two bottom ones, the Birmingham Bowl – and the bowl that I lose the name of every single time, Gasparilla Bowl. There we go. It used to be the Beef O'Brady's Bowl, <laughs> by the way. And that was in St. Pete. It was in Tampa's stadium, the yeah. Rays. And that's why I remembered it then. And so I always think the Beef's Bowl. Beef O'Brady. But it's 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 now the Gasparilla Bowl. So those two are at the bottom of the pecking order. And then you got some weird Shreveport in there if you got too many eligible teams and all that. So Anyway, we'll go through bowl scenarios a little bit next week, but there are a lot of them. We want to shout out Logan, who is the winner of the four tickets to the Auburn-New Mexico State game. Congratulations on that, Logan. Appreciate you listening to the show today. So, Logan, the victor there uh, with four tickets to Auburn-New Mexico State. That is how the second hour will end on the other side of this break. We will have some coaching news to discuss. And then at 5.15, Joe Bartle of Rotowire will join us for our weekly conversation. Again, talk a little NFL and fantasy football with him. Stay tuned. Sports Call returns after this timeout. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620, WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started.
Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan Lavoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. T.P. Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. A reminder that in about 10 minutes or so, Joe Bartle of RotoWire will join us to talk all things fantasy football, National Football League, and uh, excited to talk to Joe for yet another week. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to go over one more coaching uh, carousel situation. Can't go, obviously, too deep. We we like to have these really long, uh, productive conversations, but uh, obviously going to have to get the Joe here in a few minutes. So we'll talk just briefly about one of the maybe le- lesser intriguing situations. All coaching hot seat situations are intriguing. It just it feels that that is inherently the case. Uh, but we'll talk about – yesterday we talked a lot about A&M, and we might be able to get back to that after the Joe Bartle conversation. But in the meantime, talk about the Mississippi State side of the equation. Uh, State was the loser of that game, and usually when you get beat by about 40 points, uh, the other coach is fine, and the, the losing coach is not fine. Well, if you walk the sidelines of that game as a head coach, you were a dead man walking. Little did either no. of those coaches know. Uh, but so for Mississippi State side of things uh, – what makes it uh, first? Do you agree with the firing? Because uh, this one's a little more debatable, or yeah. I guess they're all kind of debatable, but this one's more so. And then, what should be the the goal in this hiring process? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I fully agree with the firing, but I do understand it. Um, you know, Arnett came in and was kind of uh, well. They gave him a four year contract, and they let like they they gave him a contract and everything. Um. Arnett came in, you know, taking over, obviously, for uh, Mike Leach. A tough situation overall, in all honesty, but I just kind of think the way that he went about building his staff was wrong. Uh, You know, he fired everybody that had to do with Leach, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Changed the offense completely, uh, made it more of a heavy run style offense and and kind of, you know, didn't utilize. I mean, I know he didn't have Will Rogers that much, but didn't utilize Will Rogers to his full potential, I feel like, in in what Mike Leach did with the air raid system. Um, And I think that kind of left a sour taste in the mouths of of some people at Mississippi State, I think, because, you know, this is his first head coaching job, if I'm I'm correct. And um, the way – I just think the way that he went about it was was very wrong. So I think Mississippi State was like, yeah, we're not doing, you know, multiple years of this. but at the same time, I can understand, hey, give him one more season. Maybe give him let, him let him learn from some mistakes. Let's see what he can do in year two. Let's see how things play out. Maybe Will Rogers returns, probably does return. Give him a chance to have a Will Rogers who's fully healthy. Uh, maybe just change some things up and see what happens there. So I can see both sides of it. Uh, but, you know, it, it was an odd firing. I don't really know where Mississippi State goes from here. I don't really know. You know, I think I think they put out a statement that, you know, what was going on didn't really uphold to the standards that Mississippi State held. And it's like <laughs> what, are your what standards? standards? Yeah. yeah, what standards? Like what what are you what are you talking about? You're Mississippi State. I know you had Dak Prescott for that for you know and, and you were really good for that little stint. But other than that, you've had nothing. You've had nothing. You were nothing. So what I don't really know what you expect to be. You're a bottom tier program in the SEC, so yeah. I don't really know where you're expecting to go from here. You're not gonna make some big old high I don't just I don't really know where Mississippi State expected to go from here, but what it, it is what it is. I I uh, 
I, I think that the firing of him, uh, I think that screamed more of something else going on other than just wins and losses. Um, oh, yeah. You know, there, there had to have been something behind the scenes, you know, within that athletic department, things, you know. No, I think he rubbed people the wrong way. I, right. Um, how he went about his firings and hirings. Sure. Um, and, and so there's that, you know, the wins and losses things, it's one thing. Um, I, they're recruiting. I mean, obviously, it's difficult to recruit to Mississippi State, uh, but I still think that there's issues going on there. And I think there's just kind of genuine – just kind of discontent and malaise within the program that he was not helping and so you have to make a move to at least get some forward progress going because i i just i really feel like the powers that be there at mississippi state did not see forward progress or the potential for forward progress under him and so they therefore they go ahead and make a move and, and make the move now so you can go ahead and get a jump start into the carousel just in case all hell breaks loose around the college football world, and now you get yourself caught, you know, playing from behind instead of being out in front. So, um, now what to expect from them? I I think a guy like Jamie Chadwell would be kind of a guy that they would go after uh, the, at Liberty right now. He's done a great job there, and uh, I think that's kind of the. I think that's where you're looking at uh, that caliber of guy, unless. Mullen decides that he wants to get back into it because I think they would take him in a heartbeat if he's willing to go. And he's talked about how he loves Mississippi State and would go back to Mississippi State if if he decided to get back into things. So maybe that's the the other thing I look at when you make a decision that quick is do the powers that be already have somebody lined up that they're ready to go with and that they have already made contact with? It's shady a la Tommy Tuberville and uh, the whole Jetgate thing where they were trying to make moves behind the scenes while you still had a head coach. It's shady to do that, but sometimes that's what you have to do is you go and you start putting the feelers out and see if you can't find somebody that's willing to do it and go ahead and kind of get things ironed out. So then you go ahead and make the move early and you already have your target. Um, They're not going to be able to shoot for the moon like Texas A&M could. They don't have the money, the resources, the facilities, and all that to shoot for the absolute moon like an A&M. So you're going to have to get a guy from a lower tier and bring him in and and hope that he's the guy that can get you uh, to that next level. And, you know, who that's going to be, don't know. But, I mean, you're, you can't expect that Mississippi State is going to pull a huge name out of the hat. Uh, that's just – it. That doesn't normally happen at Mississippi State. So you'd have to imagine it's going to be a guy coming up from a lower-tier job or a coordinator that's coming up from a, a lower-tier job. Look, I actually really respect this decision by Mississippi State. They they do this where they realize they're having more success than their programs used to, and they don't want to sit there and just chill and watch it all go back to the very bottom of the league and have nothing left. They did this after Mullen. Remember, they hired Joe Moorhead. Joe Moorhead only got two seasons. He went eight and five, which is perfectly fine for Mississippi State football. And then he went six and seven, and they lost Music City Bowl. It was over. Gone. They did they didn't like it. He didn't fit. And they said, nope, we already see it. We're done. 
we can't we're Mississippi State, we can't afford to go back to three and nine. We will it will take years and years to dig right. out of that. They went, they got Mike Leach, and Mike Leach kept going with what Dan Mullen had done, and they were starting to be again about eight, nine win program. Dan Mullen, or excuse me, Mike Leach unfortunately passes away. Absolutely tragic. They say, All right, to keep the continuity, let's get Zach Arnett, who has been on the staff for the last several years, and let's see if he will continue what Mike Leach did. He literally did not continue anything about right. what Mike Leach did. He didn't keep most of his coaches, as Cam was talking about, and he didn't win this year. And so it's like, you know what? Zach Arnett might be a head coach one day. He's only like 37 years old. But you know what? This is not the right guy at the right time anymore. We thought he was. We needed to bridge the gap. It was an absolutely unprecedented situation. I don't blame for them, blame them for that hiring, but I don't blame them for this firing because this is an abnormal circumstance, and it was from the get-go. And so – I respect that they are saying, you know what, when we know it does, it's not looking good, get out of it. Because we've gotten a couple things to work in the last decade, and we need to stick to that. And speaking of sticking to it, I know it's not the most sexy hire, I guess, or, or it, it's something that anyone and their brother can come up with. But, Tom, I agree. They need to call Dan Mullen, and they need to pay him what the big, make him the highest paid coach in Mississippi State football history, and just run it back with Dan Mullen because they have never been better than what they were with Dan Mullen. And if you think I'm wrong, I'm talking about a program that, in their history, the entire history of Mississippi State football, guess what, folks? They are 49% win percentage. They do not win at all. Okay, they have nothing to show for it, uh, really, in almost the entire history of Mississippi State football. They have exactly one conference championship in the entirety of Mississippi State football, and guess what? It was in 1941. So, Mississippi State's not a winning program. It is probably 13th out of 14 in the SEC only because Vanderbilt exists. And so, if I'm Mississippi State, go back to what was successful. Ask Dan Mullen to come back. They would have made a playoff. They finished 12th the year uh, with an Orange Bowl loss, by the way. So they were higher in this coming in the game. They finished 12th the year that they had Dak Prescott in 2014 and went to the uh, went to the Orange Bowl and were in the top 12. They would have been in the playoff that year. For Mississippi State in their history, again, a losing program in their history, to have been in a playoff with their coach, there's nothing wrong with that coach for Mississippi State. Go back, hire Dan Mullen. Get back to eight and four every year. Maybe have a shot at ten and two. Maybe have a shot at playoff once in a blue moon. That's really the realistic expectation for Mississippi State football. We are going to head to our timeout. On the other side of this break, Joe Bartle of RotoWire will join us. We'll switch things up, talk some NFL. That's next here on the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, 
and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. And we are now excited to go back to our orthopedic clinic phone line. And we welcome on Joe Bartle of Rotowire. Kind enough to take some time out of his Wednesday to join us as he does each and every Wednesday throughout the NFL season. Joe, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. How are things in your world? Oh, it's not too bad. Uh, happy to talk about some good football here Thursday night, of course, and uh, rematch the Super Bowl as well later in the week, too. So we should have we should be trending towards uh, positive football. A lot of these uh, bad teams getting their bye weeks late in the season. That's nice for us as the viewer. Uh, yes, I recall the end of our conversation last week. We were really appetized by the uh, the week's offerings of uh, of primetime football. But, yes, Bengals and Ravens will certainly change things up there. And, Joe, we'll start there. I mean, that is an important game, uh, not only in the AFC North and in the AFC playoff picture, but in fantasy when you're talking about the weapons that the Bengals have continued to have, the, the right track that they had started to get back on until last week's performance. Uh, and then for Baltimore, who Lamar Jackson continues to be uh, both in the real world and in fantasy football there with uh, just his threat as a dual threat. I mean, just talk about some fantasy implications and interesting things that you're looking out for in this game. Yeah, so no T. Higgins for a second consecutive week for the Bengals. Tough injury that maybe if he was available, uh, or if this game was Sunday or Monday, he would have been available. It's a bad timing from a scheduling perspective. Tyler Boyd was was pretty darn good. All uh, all touchdown misses aside, in last week's loss to the Texans, and I, I think that the Bengals. I don't know if they're going to win. I mean, this is in Baltimore, but I think it's going to be really competitive. I I understand the result last week was a little bit surprising for a lot of people, but I think it's just the Texans are really good, and I'm not I'm not sour on the Bengals, and their defense has been really good except for this one week two against. Um, in opposition, C.J. Stroud and Texans that they've really not, not had to deal with a lot, they know the Ravens. I know that Todd Munkin is a different offensive coordinator, and the Ravens have more weapons. I, I, I get all that, but at the end of the day, Aves North battle, you know what the Ravens are, especially under John Harbaugh, and I think that's that's kind of the key for me. So I, I really feel like the Bengals are going to be competitive. I certainly think they have a chance to win, and it's not that I think the Ravens are a bad team either. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if, these are the top two teams in terms of win-loss record uh, at the end of the season in the AFC. Maybe the Chiefs mix in, given they don't have to face other AFC North player or uh, opponents. But I, I really think uh, the Ravens have elevated to a level that they are among the best teams. They've taken over that Bills spot over the past few years. And I think the Bengals are still who they've been uh, since Joe Burrow really has taken over the starting quarterback. So I'm anticipating a, a great matchup from a fantasy perspective, every one of those guys you're already utilizing. Uh, and I don't even know if there's that many fringe guys like Odell Beckham or Rashad Bateman that you're considering, but all your studs, you're definitely going out there. But we sh- this should be a treat. I mean, this should be a good game that uh, we can finally enjoy on Thursday night. Joe, looking at Denver, talking about the Broncos, it seems like uh, Russell Wilson has silently been cooking pretty well. Um, and-, and Cortland Sutton has really become his favorite target. Um you know, only two games without a touchdown, and uh, so far this season, uh, do you think he's truly become a viable um, uh, wide receiver option, flex option for your team? Absolutely, in the terms of Cortland Sutton. You know, with all the red zone opportunities, I think there's only two games this year in which Sutton has not scored a touchdown. It was a really nifty catch Monday night as well, too. Uh, there, there's value. Clearly, Russell Wilson is obviously utilizing him. It's, it's how often the Broncos... I think get to the red zone that become problematic, and I'm I'm not a math guy by any means. Uh, I, I stopped as soon as I could in high school. Once we got the shapes involved, that's when I don't out of math. So 
to me, when I look at offense of the Broncos, that maybe gets to the red zone three, four times in a given game. And you're saying, well, the probability of a player always scoring the red zone is like, I don't know, let's just say 25%, and there's already only four opportunities anyway. At some point, this hot streak of Cortland Sutton's has to run out, not even so much that he's a bad player or Russell Wilson's a bad player, but just statistics would tell you that you're not supposed to be this consistently good in the red zone for an offense that does not get there. I think they're uh, like midway or like bottom third, kind of like the 20th range in terms of uh, red zone efficiency and getting to the red zone. I think it goes back to Russell Wilson in particular. And if this was Moonball, Peak, Seahawks, uh, Russell Wilson, it's a different conversation because Jerry Judy becomes far more viable. I think Cortland Sutton also could be a deep ball threat too. But when your fantasy value is entirely reliant on what you're doing in the red zone and your team is not very good at getting there, I mean, we see with Romeo Dobbs as well for the Packers, that just that's not sustainable when you have a tough matchup. And the Broncos have made it through matchups that I thought would be tricky. The Chiefs two times now in particular, the Bills as well. Uh, and, I, and I just get concerned that your you as a fantasy player are relying on so many things going right in a scenario that, from a data perspective, we have shown won't happen consistently from a touchdown perspective and the offense. So it makes, it makes me nervous, uh, but I like Cortland Sutton far more than I would like a Russell Wilson. Joe, when I look at the slate this week, and yes, there's a great game on Monday night we'll get to in just a second, I do spy some high-powered offenses going against some really poor teams and poor defenses. Games such as Houston against Arizona, Detroit against Chicago, and Dallas against Carolina, maybe even throw in San Francisco against the Bucks' weaker defense. I mean, what are some of the matchups there? Are there players that you're trying to stack in those games, even some number three options on some of those teams, because you figure they'll get a better uh, – go of it or, or or how do you evaluate when there seems to be big mismatches like that yeah i think there was four games in the week 11 slate with a double digit point spread so 49ers uh buccaneers lions bears uh commanders giants i think was in that same conversation as well too and you had mentioned it, dolphins raiders uh i i don't know if it's a stacking situation per se and maybe it becomes more viable because we watched the cowboys do it last week against the giants where C.D. Lamb went nuts, so the Brandon Cook, some Michael Gallup scored a touchdown, Dak Prescott was great. That that might be a couple of things. The Cowboys are, are really good at beating up on bad teams, and they have the Panthers this week, so hey, you maybe run back that stack. Uh, I think that might actually be a double-digit point game, too, or at least it's close to it. Uh, and then also, it's a divisional matchup where you want to embarrass your divisional opponent as much as possible, especially Cowboys versus, versus Giants, and they've done so. Obviously, I think it was like 89 to 16 or 19 in terms of uh, points scored in those two contests. So, mission accomplished from Dallas's perspective. A few of those I just don't feel like you can reasonably stack, or you are already doing so anyway. So, case in point, 49ers, Buccaneers, you're already playing Brandon Ayuk, Deepo Samuel, George Kittle, uh, Christian McCaffrey. None of those extra guys you're really looking at utilizing. I think the Cowboys, you could consider Brandon Cooks, who's available in 60% of the Yahoo leagues. Uh, when we did the podcast on Tuesday, that might have changed a little bit with waivers, but still widely available. Uh, and I think in a certain instance, you mentioned Texans-Cardinals. Well, Texans defense is pretty good. The Cardinals defense isn't great, but you're probably already playing Noah Brown and Nico Collins if he's healthy uh, and Tank Dell. Like, C.J. Stroud has elevated those guys to the point where you are considering them. So I'm looking more at a game like the Chargers-Packers, and yes, uh, this is my weekly time to uh, bemoan how bad my, my team is. And they are. <laughs> hey, it was close bad. last uh, week, though. It came down to the last play. I mean, uh, yeah, no, they're they're bad. It doesn't, I know. It doesn't matter. I thank, just... you, thank you, Steelers, for uh, <laughs> making us 
have faith for 58 minutes, uh, some of us, I should say. But that's a, that's a scenario where Quentin Johnston or Jalen Guyton, typically guys you would not be starting at all, I think there is going to be offense. I think the Packers will be able to move the ball on the Chargers, and then the Chargers certainly can move the ball against Joe Barry's defense. Uh, those are two players that I'd absolutely consider. And on the reverse side, Jade Reed's been looking pretty good. Romeo Dobbs has been a touchdown machine. Um, even Dontavian Wicks has been more involved. So it's those, it's those level of players that even in matchups where it's like only a over-under, I think it's at 44, that I would consider stacking because I think, I think Vegas has that one wrong, that there will be more offense involved because the defenses on both teams are not very good. Well, Joe, uh, I, I, as big of a Packers fan you are, I, I know you also love the Minnesota Vikings. So uh, let's talk about the Vikings real quick. Their running back situation uh, kind of up in the air right now. Uh, is is Ty Chandler a guy that you start? Is Madison going to be back for the Vikings? I mean, if you have some of those guys on your fantasy uh, team going up against a bad defense this week, how, what are you looking at and what are you trying to plan for? Yeah, so the NFL has wanted to avoid bad publicity ever since Tua uh, injured his back slash definitely got concussed. And they have done so by now implementing the following year that basically anybody who has a concussion does not play. The only exception is star quarterbacks when you need to win, so thank you 49ers for breaking that mold and starting Brock Purdy that one week and they still lost. I I would assume uh, the Vikings do not value Madison the same way the NFL values Brock Purdy, so Madison will not play. Ty Chandler got 15 carries for 45 yards last week uh, after Madison left that game. Cam Akers, of course, on uh, on injured reserve with the Achilles uh, tear. So it, it does look like it's Ty Chandler's backfield. I don't think Ty Chandler is very good at football. Okay, I, I don't I don't think he's even like a third or fourth running back. And right. why he's on the Vikings team, I'm not quite positive. Okay, well, Kenny Nwangu, uh, really good special teams guy, not super involved from a ball carry perspective either. I think Dwayne McBride. Actually, an interesting pickup if you're on a really deep league. Like McBride, objectively, is a better football player. Certainly proved that in college over the past two years. Uh, and while the Vikings have made a poor decision having uh, uh, Chandler over McBride throughout this portion of the season, well, now you need offense. You got your third string backup quarterback, whatever it is, with Josh Dobbs. Uh, Jefferson probably will come back. They might just pass the ball a whole lot. But if you do need ground game, and Madison, even when he was healthy, wasn't providing that. They should consider McBride. I'm assuming they're going to be dumb. They're going to pick uh, Ty Chandler, and they're going to be really happy that three yards per carry and hope that Josh Dobbs continues his Lynn Sanity moment, and maybe he will. But I'm not confident Ty Chandler is an automatic start and play, uh, even though he seems projected to be the obvious backfield guy for the Vikings. All right, Joe, so the game of the week uh, is clearly uh, Giants-Commanders. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, is the <laughs> Eagles and the Chiefs. Uh, rematch of last year's Super Bowl. It is in Arrowhead. The Chiefs' defense has actually been really awesome this year. I don't know if people have uh, quite noticed it as much because they're always watching Mahomes. But uh, how do you see that game going? And, and is there anyone you particularly want to start or sit in that game? Yeah, and it's funny. You mentioned the Chiefs' defense looking good. I don't think people have realized the Eagles' defense has not looked really good. And obviously their pass rushes are great, but the secondary, despite having a lot of names that people had known, of course trading for Kevin Byard, uh, from the Titans, they just haven't performed to the level you'd expect. Maybe that's the Eagles trying to get things right, much of the same way people have been saying now for weeks the Chiefs' offense is going to get things right. And I, and I think both are going to eventually happen. But it, it is a little bit eerie that the Eagles, who have been really built upon that, have, haven't been to rely on Jalen Hurts and DeAndre Swift and A.J. Brown to do uh, just crazy uh, heroics in order to be able to get victorious. So, I, I'm playing a guy like Rasheed Rice, who 
he, he's an ob, in, well, he's an obvious start in the sense in, in certain formats, but I think he really has ascended in that Chiefs offense. And this is the point of time where I think the Chiefs really need to get Rasheed Rice to be a thing. They, I felt like early in the season they were focusing on Kadarius Tony. Obviously, he lost that game in Week One, but he just wasn't good with the amount of focus and workload. They need another person come the playoffs besides Travis Kelsey because good teams, which the Chiefs will be facing the whole way through, can key in on a player no matter how good Kelsey is. So you need to have a second option. This is the gear-up period, kind of like what we see in the NBA where it's like, all right, uh, March and April really are getting your playoff rotation set, so come June you know what you're doing. I think that's what Weeks 12 and onward, and I guess Week 11 uh, for the Chiefs is going to be for Rasheed Rice. So I like him a lot, uh, and I think the usual suspects for the Eagles are going to be great, too. I hope this is going to be as explosive and, and entertaining uh, as the Super Bowl was, and I think there's no reason to doubt them. Uh, I think both teams are going to go all out. Yeah, again, a stark contrast in the uh, primetime matchups uh, this weekend for sure. Uh, I know that uh, last week was uh, was something to be desired, although some of them were close. They're just not objectively good stuff, and uh, this week will be much better. He's Joe Bartle of RotoWire joining us today on Sports Call. Joe, again, uh, tell us about uh, the busy schedule you have there uh, with all the podcasts and radio you do and then uh, what uh, RotoWire can help with if you're a fantasy manager as you're all these fantasy managers gearing up towards their playoff push trying to have the last few games here before the playoffs. Yeah, playoffs and trade deadline. And that's actually what we talked about on the Tuesday RotoWire podcast. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, it's RotoWire Fantasy Football uh, we go over the waiver wire and kind of talk the strategy for Ty Chandler, uh, for Keaton Mitchell in shallower leagues, too. There's likely some Devin Singletary that you probably could still get. So we go over all that. We talk about some trade candidates as well, too. James Conner was activated off of injured reserve for the Cardinals last week, but there still is Von Achan for the Dolphins, who is now practicing, maybe does play this week. Well, that might be a bit aggressive. So there's there's kind of some thoughts with that. Um, on my Twitter, JB Fantasy Sports, I posted – uh, the big betting sheet where I go over every game, over under every spread. 11 and 3 last week. Uh, I don't want to pat myself the back too much because normally that means I'll go 3 and 11 for the next three weeks. Uh, anytime I get a little bit high on my horse, uh, on my picking spread stuff. So it's been fun. I've been enjoying that exercise. And I think it's overall expanded, not my knowledge of the game, but uh, how in tune I am with everything going on. And I've uh, been really cool with that. So and then Friday, Sirius XM channel 87, uh, 10, no, sorry, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, going over all the week matchups. I will be off the following two weeks, obviously, the holidays uh, going on then. So last time to hear me on Sirius XM in the month of November, if that matters to you. Uh, yeah, but lots of different ways to do my content. Joe, as always, we certainly appreciate the time. Uh, we wish you and your Milwaukee Bucks uh, the best in the coming days and weeks, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. That is Joe Bartle of RotoWire joining us today on the Wednesday edition of the program. With that, we will take another timeout. Back with more Sports Call right after this. attention please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi my name is what my name is what? my name is sports call 
on Tiger 95.9. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. We are the best here. I don't know if that uh, got through I don't know if it made it either, radio, too. It would make uh, more sense if you did hear it. If you didn't, uh, <laughs> things happening off air. Things out of context. Exactly. Uh, we are Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. We appreciate Joe Barnell of Roto-Wire for joining us on the other side of that timeout. He joins us each and every week to shake things up a little bit, talk a little bit of fantasy football, as, again, that is uh, – Still, the ever-growing phenomenon that I still do not partake in because I he, like mental health. He <laughs> he scared me with the Vikings talk because I do have Ty Chandler starting uh-huh. right now. He's projected with a lot of points now. Whether he gets those projected points, you don't know. But I think they'll start Chandler. I love yeah. Dwayne McBride. I agree. McBride's a load, even though he's a small guy. He runs like an absolute load, but. They're, they'll they'll they won't buck their trend. They'll yeah. they'll, they'll yeah. start Chandler. I think they don't even. But I agree with it. Well, and really, they? what he was saying is just that McBride is probably going to be better if they actually play him. But they're right. not going to actually play him. So anyway, but I don't. I just. I, but they, don't, like, they don't run the ball relatively yeah. well anyway. Do yeah. they? Not really. Yeah, no. Not really. But I mean, like I said, yeah. Todd Chandler is projected with a pretty good high. But he's a, he's yeah. over he's over ten point projection. Yeah. I don't have anybody else really now. Go for uh, it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of a risk. I just didn't like – he was like, he is really bad at football. I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> one of my starting yeah, but if he gets back. one Almost. magical one-yard TD run, then yeah, you're that good. helps. Right. He, only, he only did have three yards of carry last year, uh, last week, but he did have a touchdown. So yeah. It's almost like – the Vikings should have paid that running back that they had. Yeah, but look at their record. <laughs> I don't know, man. It doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't make the Vikings make zero sense right. as a team, as a as a functioning. I mean, I mean, talk it up. To and coaching. also, Dalvin's I mean, not done a lot in New York. But it's not even like they're trying to use him though. Right. At the same time, it's just been that, Brees Hall. That's it. And they they just cut Michael Carter. They did. So, so I don't really know what the move is with them over there, yep. but. So my other my other choice, uh, Latavius Murray from the Bills, but they're go. That's a really tough matchup against the Jets. Good D line, yeah. yeah, good D line yeah. for yeah. sure. And then um, uh, the other running back, which I messed up last week, uh, Khalil Herbert from the Bears. Yeah, he's been on the injured reserve. He was supposed to play last week. I had him starting, and then he didn't, they didn't play. They didn't activate. They him. They didn't activate oh, him, and they were sucks. supposed to activate him. So I got a great big huge zero burger. Uh, out of Khalil That's Herbert, tough. he's still listed as oh he might play, he might not play. And you like, just got to watch out for that one with the twenty one day window. Yeah, just, but they, but see, but again, they're they're playing against Detroit. I mean, is he really gonna? Even if they activate him, is he going to do a lot against Detroit's defense? He can score in Detroit. Detroit's offense is what makes them. Oh, I know, hard. but their I defense mean, defense is pretty normal yeah. defense. Just but fine. the Vi- but the Vikings are going against the Broncos, who have an atrocious defense. Do they? They're like thirtieth, aren't they? Who who? 
Denver's Broncos? defense. Denver's defense has been improving Maybe. over the last three weeks. I was about to say they, they were because they forced very, about nine turnovers the last two. weeks. They had a very so. rough they're, start. They're, they're ranked thirty second. Right. Okay. In fantasy, well, it's it, it different. It's different in fantasy how how they I'm kind just, of rank right. the defenses. I'm just saying because Detroit's defense, according to this, Detroit's defense is ranked fifth. Right. Whereas the Broncos' defense is ranked thirty second. Yeah. I'm just saying that the last few weeks for Denver's been way different. And yes. The the Miami game where they quit right. probably skews some things too. Because I mean, agree. Because I, I want it, it's probably based off averages, yards you know, allowed. Is, because yeah. I mean they had I mean <laughs> in that game alone they right. had, they, had, had you know you score you score six sixty whatever points they did. I mean that yeah, affects things right. a lot. But well here here's yeah. the here's the other thing. This is the conundrum you get into, and it's the weird thing that you have to watch out with fantasy. And I've had to learn these things over the last few years because. I'm still relatively new at this whole fantasy deal. Yeah. So I have the Lions defense. I pick them up, and I'm putting them because it's the Chicago Bears offense. I'm like, they could probably get a lot of good fantasy points playing Chicago. Yeah, the Commanders. Um, uh, I've got them on another one. Yeah. But I got the Lions defense on this. Me, the Lions. Why? Why would I want to put a Bears running back up there to hope I get a lot of fantasy points while also having the opposing yeah. defense that I'm hoping is going to yeah. shut them down and force turnovers? Can't counteract yourself. That's always the so, tough part. You yeah. Make sure you're not counteracting. Again, I, not my problem. I don't. don't play, <laughs> so. you, but you, you see what I'm saying. Got to make sure you're don't, not don't have a defense sure. that's go, don't have a defense that's going up against one of your starters because right. you need big points from one of them, and yeah, you're counteracting one another. So. Sure. So about nine or ten yeah. minutes left in the show today. Again, reminder coming up at six o'clock, the high school coaches show right here in our studio. It's been at the End Zone Bar and Grill throughout the year. Certainly appreciate them for hosting it uh, throughout this season. But we're doing something a little bit different this year and extending our coverage into the playoffs. So Brooks Childress and TP Hammock will be with some of the great high school yeah. coaches in the area here as the playoffs are underway. Big matchup this weekend with Auburn High against Central. Yep, that is big, certainly big. be one of them. So. Uh, looking forward to that show uh, coming up again at six o'clock uh, right here on Tiger ninety five point nine. With the few minutes uh, we have remaining, again we were talking prior to the Joe Bartle uh, interview. Uh, we're talking about the Mississippi State head coach yeah. search a little bit, and then also want to talk again about a couple of the other schools that have not made moves yet, but moves could be coming. Uh, particularly in Gainesville mm-hmm. uh, with Billy Napier and in Fayetteville with Sam Pittman. Again, I think – I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Brooks that was saying it. But somebody was telling me earlier, it was like you roll out of bed the next day and you said, oh, someone's fired. Surely it's you know Sam, Sam Pittman, Pittman who is now 3-7 and seven and <laughs> lost by 38 points. Well, it was uh, Jimbo Fisher, the winner of a nearly 40-point game, yeah. uh, which, again, that's been coming, but still yeah. the optics of win was interesting. And then, of course, Zach Arnett fired, as we already talked about. Uh, Arkansas still will tell you that there's a chance Pittman returns. So I guess that's the question the for you that. is, should he return? I mean, what what would you say you need to see in the next two games? What, have you already made up your mind? I mean, where would you yeah, be at on that? Man, I – I don't know that there's any coming back from from that. I for Pittman, yeah, 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 probably not. I, 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 because I mean, it, it's one of those. I mean, you 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 fall you fall behind the rest, and, and it's the same reason that Auburn needed to make the moves that they did when they did because it was steadily kind of slipping back behind some of the others, and it will take forever for you to dig yourself back out of that. 
And so I think if for Arkansas and for their sake, if they want to try to get up to a competitive level with the top tiers, I don't think Pittman's going to be it. And I think they have to take a real long look at themselves in the mirror and realize that while we may love Sam Pittman and he may be a great dude and, and we've loved having him here, is he the guy that's going to get us up there or not? And I personally don't think he is. And so, therefore, Arkansas is going to have to make that move or they keep falling further and further behind. Um, but from what I've – just the little bit of research I've done on it read, I mean, there's some of the writers – Arkansas writers that are saying Pittman's apparently going to be back next year and that they're not going to make a move. So then in that case, dude better hit the recruiting trail and the transfer portal uh, because, I mean, they, they're they they're vastly under-talented from what they would expect to be. And, you know, it's not going to change overnight unless they do something big time. And that's a hard place to recruit to. Uh, I mean, it, there's not right. there's not a lot of – they, they have gotten their share of recruits, but, I mean, it's not like, you know, every five-star blue chipper that you can think of is, like, just clamoring to get to Fayetteville, Arkansas. Yeah, you'll get, like, two or three. But sure, you might, yeah. You're not going yeah. to get a whole bunch. And you'll get the you ones that grew your, up around there that really yeah. that really like it and, and have kind of grown up in that environment or at least close to that environment. I mean, it's rare that you see Arkansas stretch out to, to far ends to bring in blue chippers. I mean, it can be done, but I yeah, I just I don't think Pittman's the guy. Um, and if they make the move, the the guy that everybody immediately starts saying Gus Malzahn, Gus Malzahn, I don't think that's a good nah, idea Gus for them. Gus is chilling in Florida. Well, anyway. he's chill, he's chilling <laughs> in Florida. Um, he, he, but I mean, they're now they're getting very unhappy with him. Now they he's back in good graces after that. Saying, after beat the, the brakes off Oklahoma State. Well, I, he's back in the good graces now, but <laughs> yeah. before that. Everybody was like, you know, go back wherever you came from, Gus. So, I, but I don't think Gus is the guy for that job. Um, I do, if they were to fire Pittman, I think a guy like Rhett Lashley would be somebody. Well, I mean, if you think about it, he, if I, I'm saying Gus Malzon is not the guy. So the next best thing is Gus Malzon's protege that is an Arkansas guy that is from right. around in that area and has, was with Gus Malzahn and all that and is doing some really good things as a, a young up-and-coming head coach, maybe it's time for him to make that leap. Um, but Arkansas would be in the same situation of Mississippi State where they can get a good guy, but they're not going to get the earth-shattering type of hire. I, I just don't see that happening. Um so it would have to be young up-and-coming coach or a coordinator that is up-and-coming. Uh, a guy I keep mentioning is Georgia's defensive coordinator, and without his name, I can't think of it right off the top of my head, but I mean, it's a guy that has worked with Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. You'd have to think that's a guy that's going to get a shot at some point. Maybe that's the type of guy that they go after. Yeah, no, I think with Arkansas' situation, it, it's a delicate one because they so clearly looked like they had found right. the guy. Like it, it's, it's one of those situations where it was not doomed from the start. There was improvement from the start. Uh, again, you got to keep in mind everything that was the 2020 season. Yes, they went three and seven in the league, but you win, you know, three and five in a league play in a regular year. They're on a bowl game in year one after everything that happened there with the Chad Morris tenure. The nine and four year then clearly gave credence to this is 
this is looking good. I mean, it was a top 25 team. Then they had an array of just unfortunate losses last year, went 7-6, won a weirdly fun Kansas Bowl game or Liberty Bowl against Kansas. And then this year you backtracked completely, and you did make a poor offensive coordinating hire. Uh, you are now dropping to under 500 in your tenure, 22-24. and 24. Maybe more importantly, though, 11-22 and 22 in the SEC. And it's like – I. I, part of me wants to say, man, he's just so likable. You just you give it, you just try one more thing. That's but a- <laughs> that that's how you get in trouble. And so I think that Arkansas has probably got to move on. I don't hate the Lashley deal. I think that they need to look at someone that is a head coach right now because their last two hires were not. Right. Sam Pittman was O line, yeah. O line coach. And Chad Morris had been a long-time successful OC at Clemson. They need to find someone, even if it's a little lower level, that's been a head coach. So Lashley having that experience at SMU is is important to me, and I think that would be perfectly fine. And I'm trying to brainstorm some more names. I guess you you wait till it actually happens to think of seven or eight names. Well, again, Chadwell is going to be a name that comes up all the time. Uh, uh, Elko. Elko is going to be a name that pops up, uh, you know, uh, if he's ready to leave where he's at. But, I, you know, I don't know. But I agree. Arkansas needs – they need to get out of the coordinator thing. They need to get a guy that is a, a proven uh, successful head coach to, to take over that program. And then they might be able to have some success. Now, the thing with Pittman, a, a game – and I said this on Monday. A game like what happened in that Auburn game with them, that, that's a type of game that gets you fired. And I say that not just because they lost and not just because of the way they lost, but if you watch that team in the second half of that game, they quit. They absolutely quit. When Brian Batiste scored his touchdown, you go back and watch that. There were dudes from Arkansas that had no interest in being on that field. They were walking. There were two guys desperately trying to pull Brian Batty down. Apparently. There's other defenders that aren't even jumping into the pile. They're yeah. literally just walking. They don't give a crap. Apparently they were watching Polar Express at half. And, and there's that. But that team quit. And I go back and I think about some of those Auburn teams under Gene Chizik in, in his last couple years. When they were getting their teeth kicked in, it was an Auburn team. They just looked like they quit. They gave up. They didn't have any interest in being on the field. And I saw that with Arkansas. You don't come back from that. If your team has already quit on you and is quitting in these games, then you don't bounce back from that. You don't. You have to. You have to have something from forward momentum going. And I just don't think Sam Pittman's a guy that can make that happen. Final couple moments of the show day would could go on and on with all these. Didn't really ever get to the Florida situation. We will coming up here in, in a couple of days or, or tomorrow maybe. But uh, and then bring back Dan Mullen. Uh, well, not that one. <laughs> uh, other SEC job, not not that one. But I know. Uh, um, bring back Urban Meyer. Uh, well, I mean, they would if they could. I would mm-hmm. say that they would if they could. But. All right, final couple moments of the show real quickly. The nightly TV guy presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer tonight, 6 o'clock ESPN2. Buffalo, the Bulls take on Miami of Ohio, 6 o'clock on ESPNU. More action, Central Michigan at Ohio. You got some NHL, 6.30 on TNT. Philadelphia Flyers visit the Carolina Hurricanes. And 6 o'clock on the SEC Network Plus. It's Auburn women's volleyball. They travel to Stark Vegas to take on Mississippi State. And one movie pick for you tonight, a little different channel than normal, VH1. One at six o'clock has liar liar, and that's Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw 
hard seltzer. That will do it for the show this afternoon and this evening. Cam Barry, thank you for being here, sir. Glad to be here. Tom Peavy, thank you for being here today and uh, throughout the week. We'll see you again next week. I'll be here. Enjoy it. And appreciate T.P. Hammock for running the board and taking phone calls for us here on this Wednesday edition of the program. Again, reminder that the High School Coaches Show directly follows us at 6 o'clock, so stay tuned for that. We appreciate Joe Bartle of Rotowire for joining us here today. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For T.P. Hammock, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Wednesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.